I am pleased to announce the Call in Sick to Work Tour starts October 10th in Edmonton, Canada, November 7th in West Palm, Florida, and November 14th in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's where I go in, do radio, drink, go straight to the club at 11 a.m., you call in sick to work, and we party. Today's guest, stand-up comedian, Big J. Okerson. This is Yeah, I, uh... I'm fucking so hot. I went to Bikram Yoga with Leanne this morning. <laughs> really? You ever gone to Bikram Yoga? Hot yoga? I've never done any kind of yoga, but I'm thinking about trying to do it. I have back pain all the time. Really? Yeah, I did CrossFit. So you hurt I just your back did, in CrossFit? I think, I mean, probably is what it mainly was from, just like doing a crazy amount of like very fast, bad form <laughs> heavy lifting. <laughs> all back. There's all back. A, no legs. <laughs> there's a time that I remember when I was like in ninth grade that I was stronger than like the other kids. Uh-huh. Like just the ninth graders. Like it was during summer school and we were all working out. It was like me, Scott Beer, Blake Casper. And like I, they were all smaller than I was, but I was I could lift like I was just strong, and I was like, I guess this will be the fucking norm from now on. <laughs> and then everyone jumped right into benching two twenty five freshman year, and I was like, I can't get one thirty five off my chest. Yeah, you rest on your laurels just being the biggest. So I'm definitely the strongest. And then now, uh, and so some, you get bullied around by some one sixty five dude who's just jacked. Uh, Do you play any sports in high school? Never, never organized. I did a. Uh, I went to a school for only one year that had organized. My first school that I went for like kindergarten through 11th grade was like Lean On Me. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then, uh, not that, not quite as drastic as that, but it was definitely like, uh, but it was like, I don't know, it wasn't like fantastic education school. And then, where, where was it? In West Philly. It was called Lamberton. Lamberton? Now I think it's a shit show completely. Now I think it's like Lean On Me. Oh, I bet. Because it was the neighborhood was it was uh, one of the ones that went from like Jewish neighborhood to half Jewish, half black. That's when I came in, and then just now it's like black and like my grandma. Like, my grandma won't leave, and guys battle rap outside of her doorstep. <laughs> but they're always nice to her. It's the weirdest thing. What? What? Uh, when did you wait? My cousin went to a school in Philly. Like my cousins grew up in Norristown. You know mm-hmm. where that is? Yeah. My cousins grew up in Norristown, and that was when it was predominantly black. And and uh, all my references about black people are from this one weekend that I spent in Norristown, <laughs> and I hung out with Quate and his brothers Dante and Arante, and like one dude had just got out of prison. My mom loved accent marks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so and so, uh, but Quate, I wonder what he's doing. I, I but but I mean, I saw a dude had gotten the clap. I'd never seen that. Like I was like an eight. I must have been in like. It was right when Chuck Taylors were a big deal. Like high top Chucks. I remember it snowed and we stayed out all night. And one guy, one black dude had had a case of the drips. And we'd walked in on him and he's like, damn, in the bathroom. He's like, got a case of the drips. I fucking, I remember I played basketball with all the guys and I grabbed a comb that I found on the ground. And I combed my hair and they lost their shit. And I was like, I was like, as a joke, thinking they'd make them laugh. And they thought I was disgusting. Really? Yeah. And I was like, what? And my cousin's like, don't do that in front of them. Yeah, my cousin. My cousin's an interesting guy. I was I was always jealous of he hung out with all black people. All black people. Was he a wigger? No. Uh, nobody loved. No, not at all. No, nobody was really good at basketball. That's huge. Yeah, it's a big thing. Yeah, yeah. If you're good at basketball, you can weave your way in. I played a lot of basketball growing up. I didn't, but the organized sports thing. Yeah. I uh, I went to a school. I always played. Uh, 
pickup football, you know, like like. But we played these huge games of it, and but then when I would do, you know, when I would go to play, like you know, organized ball, I thought I'd be like the same as pickup ball. I'm like, so what am I going for quarterback or oh, <laughs> being like a 300 pound kid? They're like, no, you're the offensive line. I go, nah, I'm not really into that. Let's see, I'll be a wide receiver, I guess. <laughs> just do post routes. Like you're very slow. <laughs> I'll be a wide receiver. And then just, just banging into people routes. all day in those pads and like running and my helmet like flopping all over the place. I just hated it. I really felt like I feel like a 300 pound Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my helmet was still too big on me, even though I was like I had a giant head and a big fat body. I just felt like so out of place doing it. I didn't understand the plays, and it was just so complicated. As a senior, you can't just learn all that as a senior. You kind of got to grow up with it. Yeah, that shit. I, I thought my senior year of high school, I was like, maybe I'll jump into football and be a quarterback. But I didn't realize <laughs> there were guys that were being groomed since like eighth grade and younger, and just be- svelte and had cannons <laughs> and just rifle arms and. And there yeah. was like the one good kid, then there was one redneck kid that no one liked, but he was dumber and his family wasn't quite as rough around the edges, you know? And you were in Florida, so it's like, it's intense down there, the oh, high yeah. school football. I always thought like, Philly, I always thought like Philly sports were um, basketball and like lacrosse, shit like that. You guys were always yeah. good at, but like baseball and football, I always thought southern sports were, or southern teams would always be better. For right? high school and shit. For high school, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because we had outdoors. I never felt like you guys had outdoors. No, there wasn't. I mean, our schoolyard, the school, the one, they didn't even have organized sports, like some intramural stuff, but our the schoolyard was a giant fenced in like asphalt slab with like... yeah kickball courts painted on them and you know a couple walls to like play suicide so wait what did you what was your did um like i i've i've, I've known you for probably 15 years yeah at least or yeah, about yeah about 13 15 years yeah right. but i but i feel like i don't know anything about you i learned more about you on the Marin podcast yeah than i'd ever learned about you well when i first met you it was us coming out of like it was funny you met me and kurt and kurt it was funny because we started in that black scene in Philly and we're doing all black shows pretty much for the most part and Kurt was just on the cusp of starring the pander to black crowds like he just <laughs> was on the edge of it I was full tilt I was already you know I was stool humping yeah and DJ hit the music stuff what I was, was your joke I, was, I, I I got on top of her and I lost her in the couch yeah yeah, yeah. Like I was raping the couch yeah <laughs> And that was probably one of my better, like, everyone would laugh at jokes. But I mean, I had, so, jokes? Yeah, I had so much stuff that was just like, what's with track five on that new <laughs> Cameron journey? Dude, I had one of my, when like, because Boston Comedy Club, by the way, was not a crossover club. No. It was predominantly, <laughs> it was predominantly hood. Not, I wouldn't say black, but yeah. just. It was hood. And uh, and then that's that Sunday show was their biggest best show, and that was it couldn't get blacker. Oh my god! I remember <laughs> taking my dad there one time, thinking when I was like, "Yeah, let me show you the club." And it was, I was like, <laughs> "Sunday, wonder what's going on tonight." And it was around the block, and my and I was like, "Maybe we'll just swing into the bar downstairs and get a beer." And I think there was a shooting, like one of the guys from Onyx got into a gunfight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sticky fingers from Onyx got involved <laughs> in some weird shit. The Boston guy. Yeah, it was th- those shows are. So, I think. Uh, my buddy Rocco, who lives out here in L.A. now, has uh, been a comic for a long time. I think he got stabbed by Sticky Fingers at a comedy show. God damn it. Like with a glass. Like he broke a glass Wait, why and Why did you start him. in the black clubs? It was the only one that was around. I don't know. Someone said I should try doing comedy. My friend Jamie, this girl, said I should try it. And then the next day, and I was a huge fan, humongous fan of comedy. Yeah. Like, 
so, such a big fan that like I make reference to comedians that a lot of comedians don't know who the hell I'm talking about. I talk like Bruce Baum and stuff like that. I remember Bruce guys. Baum. Yeah, but a lot of comics, especially like, you know, like a new crop of comics, have no idea who the fuck you're talking about or have any point of reference to like Paul Provenza and seeing him on TV since like the late 80s. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, which is what I remember that stuff and Comic Strip Live and Caroline's Comedy Hour. I watched it all. I was a huge fan of it. Would you go up poor? Um, far, far from, from wealthy, far from comfortable or middle, probably low middle class like let's define it so low low class low class and luckily my like my grandparents like intervened a lot and like so that was like probably about as middle class as it can get but then my mom what it was my mom had me young how old she was uh 19 when she got pregnant my dad too and then my dad split when i was three so my mom he just took off I mean, pretty much. I mean, he, I mean, I, yeah, I know. I'm like, yeah. I see him, but like, he was pretty disinterested. But it's, uh, but my mom was 19, so she worked. So the best way to put it is like, we lived in an apartment in Philly, and she worked at like a job, not a career. She had, like, you know, she worked at like, she managed like a tuxedo rental place. Yeah. At one point, and she worked at a drugstore at one point, and, and then she moved to like a, ironically, a big and tall <laughs> the store she was managing, and. uh but then uh, she went back to college. When my grandfather died, she went back to college when she was like 20, uh, I guess like 29, and became like a respiratory therapist. And then she met my stepfather while she was in school or just finished. And then he was like, he was hilarious. My stepfather's hilarious because he was like a, just like a cokehead weightlifter guy, literally. But <laughs> inside this like ridiculous ex- exterior of like guy who goes to clubs and wears cowboy boots and really? jeans. In Philly. In Philly, yeah, but I mean, like, not cowboy boots, like, I not countries, yeah, like, yeah. like this, like, guy going to a club, you know, what I mean, like, to pick, like, you know, really? like, like Travolta, and uh, you know, button-down shirts with the tank top showing underneath, and just like a jack dude, but inside this big lunkhead is like a savant, like genius. So he was like, my mom got pregnant before what? they even got married, and he was like, uh, well, he's like, oh, shit, I guess, I guess, I got to make some money and figure something out. He goes, what do you do? Like to my mom, like, what is it you're doing? And respiratory therapy. It's a two-year degree. And he's like, I guess I'll just do that. And he just like, he aced it. His like second year of college was like paid for by a hospital that was like, please come work for us when you're done. Really? Yeah. He's like, And he's a complete, and I mean this with love, a complete underachiever because like he got offers to like, like scholarships for like full rides to like chiropractic schools. And they're just like, like schools that wanted him because he was so smart. But he just went to community college of philadelphia got his associate's degree and like just does this job but they made money they did make money so that beefed us up to like middle class and uh middle to upper middle not upper but middle class and we moved to jersey which is what everybody in philly does when you get a couple bucks you move to jersey really yeah nice and so they got a house there yeah and they kept having kids so i have three siblings so you go to college through them i went to college for a month (laughs) and then uh uh, and then uh, so I did the open mic night. When I did the open mic night the first time at that black club, it went so well. And it was horrible. I mean, I, I, the jokes were, it was all just self-deprecating fat shit versus yeah. like, and I think like, you know, a nice Jerry Springer joke that's been done a thousand times, but killed. And the guy who was hosting, uh, Toure, I remember grabbed me and he even said he was like, because for five weeks I went and didn't get on. I panicked and, and when they'd call my name, I was like. Are you shitting me? Yeah, because it was all... It was literally an all-black crowd. And I'm watching people kill with stuff that I wasn't prepared to do. Like, going up there, you know, I was like, Oh, shit. This joint make people dance at a funeral. And then just start dancing for a while. Just like, you know, all the 
the shucking and jiving that just destroys in those black rooms. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, take out your hip hop Bibles and then just preaching the words of a rap song. I mean, those are the things that got like standing ovations. Really? And I'd watch that and then I'd be like, me and I was just going to go up there and be like, so I live with my mom. <laughs> Anybody here from West Philadelphia? <laughs> I used to have jokes for, uh, <laughs> remember this template for jokes? I started going on a tangent, but I think it'll find this funny. When you have a joke that you purposefully lead the audience to say something, and then, uh, so my best example, I was like, uh, I was making a joke, or they put those things up your ass, you know, that thing, the, uh, what's that thing you use to unclog the toilet? Uh, plunger. Yeah, yeah, they go, and they go, plunger, and you go, oh, you've been there before. Like <laughs> But once I got the balls up there, it went good that first time, man. And I and there's no better feeling than killing in front of a black, all black audience. When I got off, when I got off stage, uh, yeah, he was like, "Why'd you make us wait for that for so long?" Like, like I did something amazing. Which, by the way, he should have been like, "It was pretty good. Got a lot of work to do." It's, uh, but you know, solid first time. And yeah. I went and just dropped out of school the next day. I'm like, well, <laughs> figured it out. <laughs> Talk about making it. I just dropped out of school. I literally dropped out of school the next day. Got and a my face mo- tattoo, and I was like, I'm in. <laughs> my mom was like, what the fuck did you do? And it was community, it was community college, but it was still, I was like, I'm not going you back. You done both. <laughs> she goes, she goes, oh. she goes, oh. you know, it's hilarious. You're the first person to ever call me on that because <laughs> except for that day, my mom and step up who kicked me. I, I kicked me up. It was like two weeks. And they, my mom, my mom loves me. Yeah. She let me back in pretty quick. <laughs> but I made like a five year plan with her. I was like, look, I go, I'm going to dedicate myself to this for five years. If I stink at it and it doesn't, you know, if I, if I'm, if I'm nowhere, yeah. I'll be 24 and I'll go to school. I was only going to do the same thing. I had to say, yeah. we're a very underachieving family. I was going to go, what do you do? By the way, no, no one respects my mom's intelligence stuff to go, what did you do, dummy? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, if you could do it, we could all do it. I'll go to respiratory like, school. You're the same person who made the decision to bang my dad and have a kid at 19. So we could all do respiratory therapy. Hey, everyone out there, listen. If you're looking to go bare bones. It's so good I dropped. It, I dropped it's so out. good I dropped out of school. And it's, my mom lost such, her that shit. Is such a great like way to live your life. <laughs> it was such a bad way. Oh, but I did say, but you know what? Uh, oh. But as an adult, again, when you get an adult perspective, at thirty-six oh. years old now, I do have the perspective to realize how much horseshit it was that I said to my mom and, and stepfather when I pleaded with them. I was like, "No, listen. Here's why I dropped out. I go if I if I don't put all my eggs in one basket. As soon as like the times get hard on it." I'll just not do it. I'll be like, oh, I'm not doing this. So yeah. I'm going to go just do respiratory therapy, which is like, I guess this is a kind of bullshit. Like, you're, you're very right. Like, you could have just done both. Yeah. In fact, probably gained some real necessary life experience. That's what I don't like watching when you see like a 19-year-old comic and they're always like, he's so good. For his age, like, look how great he is for his age. Look how great he is for his age. And I go, there's still nothing you can make up for of like life experience. Yeah. And I don't mean it doesn't always have to be like the party story, but it can't. You know, it's like, oh, I, I'm drunk. I passed out in Amsterdam, and I woke up in wherever. Like those things just happen to you through time. Like, yeah. And the beautiful thing about comedy is like something that requires experience for for stories and to draw material off of. It's a lifestyle that really makes stories happen. Yeah. So 
same thing at 19 I was, yeah I dropped out of college like I've got this but I had nothing to talk about other than like living at my mom's the same shit any 19 year old would talk about when he starts 20 year old you know oh it's so fucking great and porn how much I love porn and Mario and so then, but, but you were only doing you're, you're only doing black clubs at the time so what, in Philly there was nothing at the time besides what was it called the Laugh House is that, was that how many relationships L-A-F-F to what to John DeBella yeah no, no, no. He, uh, John DeBello's like, I used to go on his radio show. Yeah. I, ta- I did, a, I had DeBello on my podcast. Yeah. He, he brought up, I want to say he brought up you, Metzger, and Kevin. Yeah. He, he the only thing with it, I never understand a guy who's like that much of a radio vet who still wants you to like, he still wants you to feed, he wants to feed you bits. Yeah. I don't, he's, no I, I haven't done like that. that. I haven't done that. I haven't done that the last few times I've been in. No, me either because of yeah. that. Really, like, like, we actually have almost like a, it's not even like an animosity or an anger. I think like it's like DeBell wants you to come in and do some bits, and I was like, I'll come in and talk, and then they're like, eh, they don't trust it. It's gonna like, yeah. So I'm like, all right, that's fine. They don't, have to, but I'm not gonna go feed bits on the air. I think it's so. Weird. It, so when you started in the black club, was it just was were you the one white guy? When did Metzger show up? And when Metzger did Kevin show up? Like show three up? weeks later, really? Or no, maybe three months. It was like three months. I know the numbers three, but it was three months because yeah, it was when Kirk got there, I was very much like, oh, thank God. So I'd have been doing it like. Once a week, what a fucking way to bond with another guy. And in in hindsight, got along very well. Metzger was a very important thing in my life, actually. In in a very, we both were for each other. I think. I don't know if all for the positive, but Metzger was my turn out of like, and this is not an insult. It it sort of is, I guess, to my friends that I had. But I had friends that were very local guys, as we all did. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And guys, their aspirations were kind of local and whatever. And, like, when I kind of turned my gears to, like, do something a little more extraordinary, it almost baffled them to some degree. And then when I met Kurt, Kurt was just, like, a different dude. You know, he was an art school. You know what I mean? He was, like, an artistic type guy. We were both doing the same thing that we wanted to, like, be good at. Um, <clears throat> and we just kind of bonded over and being, like, the two white guys, you know, we bonded. But, but hanging out with him, like, his friends were just, you know guys that were quoting like stuff out of books and not, not that it's like to be so like pompous about it yeah but it was just a different kind of person i've ever hung out with and i was very much enjoying like mixing up with those kind of people you know like, like a smarter breed because my friends back which i still love too those are the my friends are all the crush a beer can on your head we're gonna go to the eagles game at eight o'clock in the morning so we're fucking obliterated by kickoff and then we're gonna you know we're gonna call some we're gonna call some guy from the visiting team's girlfriend a cunt until until he fights one of us, like you know those guys. Like, yeah. <laughs> and those guys are great. They're pure, if nothing else. Very pure. They're very pure dudes, and their lack of interest in what you're doing and whatever it is, is very just pure. They're just guys who they kind of know they're gonna die in the same room they were in when they were 15. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's possible. So, uh, Kurt, I found them to be like very intriguing in that regard. And then for me and him to go through those rooms, like I started pandering so quick. And Kurt just didn't. And what'd be funny was we would go once in a while to like there was some a shitty uh, series of clubs in Philly. And they're still there, I think, called the Comedy Cabarets. Mm. And it's like one guy kind of books. They're like you know hotel lobby banquet rooms and shit, just really shitty. And we'd go there to the open mics though, and there'd be all like the the, lo- the Philadelphia white comics that would float around that would never come to that Laugh House. Really. And the beauty of the Laugh House thing was it was open mic night. This is this spoiled me when I got to New York a little bit. Whether the color of the crowd, either direction, was that um, it was like packed, three hundred people to the walls, packed every open mic night because it was promoted by the hip hop club. I think it was like a five dollar admission with like cheap drinks, 
It was just promoted very heavily, and they put up 40-some comics. 47 comics? Oh, 40-something at least. Are yeah. you serious? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what do you guys used to in like five minutes? Yeah. Sometimes they try to say three, but it would be five. You know and is I mean? it and out of that scene that that was then? Is it is it just you, Kurt, and Kevin that left? Me, it? Kurt, Kevin Hart, Joe DeRosa, Mike Vecchione. Um, yeah, I mean that's two Ray was like going to do something. What's so funny? We were talking about like uh, the mentor switches in your life that you go through. Because my buddy last night, who you met, Adam, yeah, the guy from that band, uh, who I toured with. Who's a great dude, and, and he's started doing some open mic comedy really? like recently. Yeah, and he's got a great personality for his front man of a band, and I thought he was a very, just a very charismatic guy, and, and maybe he could do something with it. Maybe not. But he was like, uh, he was talking about the guy who's bringing him around. I don't know who it is. His name's like Ocean something, maybe. Yeah. Black dude. He's been doing it for like, he actually told me a story yesterday because he said this guy's brought him to open for him. And he goes, man, let me tell you something. In five years of doing this, I've never brought somebody with me to open for me. And I'm like, five years? Five years? I, I didn't have anything to, for people to open for me on. <laughs> like, what? In five years? It's the weirdest thing. In five, in five years in this game, I never. But he was like, no, you know, but he's really taking the time. And he's like, showed me around and got me on stage a bunch. I go, oh, dude, listen, your mentors are your mentors and, and who you need when you need it. I go, the people I follow, the people I revered and would do favors for and drive around to go do shitty comedy shows who I was like, oh my God. I go, names like, I'd be like, oh man, I'm driving around Tommy Too Smooth. <laughs> or like, you know, oh my God. He goes, I can't believe I'm in a car right now with Beefy Funny. <laughs> <laughs> beefy Funny. <laughs> yeah. I sometimes think of me as that. Like, is some kid working with me going like, I'm with Burt Kreischer, but then they I are. turn into nothing. <laughs> and I'll be that name that they go. Yeah, I can't believe I thought Burt Kreischer was important. No, but yeah, but you. Uh, no, that's it's a way different game. I'm talking about like local Philly. Like, oh my my. my I mean, getting heroes. excited about like sh- people getting. I mean, not getting excited, but just like the guy. You know what it was because you weren't looking to 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 ever get to meet even for like a Philly guy like a Dom Irera seemed very unlikely. Really? Do you know what I mean? It just didn't seem like when you first start doing open mic, you don't know what the ceiling is on it at all. Yeah. I didn't even know what the like the the cockles of comedy were. You know what I mean? I didn't know like this was working towards anything. I just like Yeah, I didn't know that either. I was I was just like, I'm gonna go do it. I fucking the feeling I had when I did good that first time felt so amazing. And I didn't get it again for a couple months until I learned how to like cause I don't th- I don't feel like pandered on the first time really. really. But by like, you know, a few months in, I was full blown pandered from the way I dressed to everything. What you changed the way you dressed? Sort of. I mean, I always dressed like kind of baggy. I mean, I dressed like to the times, you know what I mean? Yeah. The uh, late, late 90s. Like, did you wear like uh, FUBU jerseys? Yes. Yeah, shit like that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. FUBU jerseys, very baggy. I'm pretty sure. We've got to find it, man. I, I'm not sure. I think BET has been bought by several different companies and stuff yeah. over the last couple of years. But my first BET's comic view, like my pant leg is rolled up like LL Cool J. Not ironically. <laughs> Like, I just had my pant leg roll. Like, that's how I did it. Are you serious? Yeah. So then, so you meet, you meet Kurt. It's so funny because I only and Kurt was know... billabong shirts and khaki pants. Really? Yeah. I, my recollection of Kurt, and this I know this is incorrect, but all my recollections are incorrect from that period because my favorite story about Kurt is actually totally inaccurate. The yeah. fucking let the cat go. No, it's not inaccurate no, at all. No, but Kurt said, I like we did, uh, we did Montreal, and he goes, you know what? I I don't want to let you down because Jay and I talk about this, but like your favorite story of me, you know, I just 
I don't want to take the wind out of your sails, but like, <laughs> there's more to it than that. And I, and I was like, I don't want to know it. I don't want to know it. He said, he always says there's more to it than that, but I'm telling you, when he came back to me and said, <laughs> This is maybe no, the, no matter what maybe he does, the, yeah. This, uh, during this time, I remember, I remember Kevin. I, I kind of remember Kevin, but I really remember you Kev, and Kurt. Kev, by, by the time this happened, Kev was gone. Kev was in L.A. No. By this, no, by this story, by the time the story yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because me and Kurt lived together. But yeah, we, yeah, yeah. But, but when no. we were driving up from Philly every day, it was me, Kevin, and Kurt, and Keith Robinson. Right. But when I met the three of you, I remember, I feel like Kurt was dating his sister. or Not, not dating his sister, but his sister was there, too. His sister might have been there. Yeah, his sister yeah, yeah. was living with you guys or something? Oh, no, no. His, his girlfriend, his, Jessica Delfino. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, do I know her? She floats around comedy still. Okay, so, yeah. You know, she plays guitar, does guitar comedy, basically. Um, but uh, or his and but his sister or something, and then, but Kev would come on and he'd do uh, like he he had like a tight seven minutes, but I, I I don't know if he was maybe he was already in L.A. But I remember we were down at the bar, the Baggett one night and uh, and you told me that story about the cat and I fucking no you know it's funny it wasn't in the bag I told you a story I remember this thing where was we it? drove from somewhere to somewhere it was like we were both at the comic strip and I was driving we drove we were driving to Boston I remember because like your laugh and that night made me it was like you remember like your ten best laughs in your life yeah and I remember like face hurt laughing at how much you were enjoying it because I was explaining your story because I was I was telling the problem with Kurt well, I lived with Kurt for a while <laughs> and living with Kurt. I mean, he's still one of my closest friends. He's my he's my daughter's godfather, like yeah. Kurt, and he's a good godfather, and he's a he's a good buddy. You know, I love him. I yeah. think he's a genius. You know, I mean, I think he's a fantastic comic. But living with him was tough, especially with a, a broke Kurt is a different person than a Kurt with money. Really? Yeah, and I think I think a lot of us are somewhat that way, maybe. But like, it was a broke Kurt was tough to live with, and my ex was pregnant at the time with a, our daughter. Yeah, and they. Just needed to have these cats, but these cats were like, they weren't declawed. They didn't have the things over their claws. All the furniture in the house was ours. First of all, the funniest thing Kurt did, and he'll laugh at all this now too. It's pretty funny. The day we moved in, my ex like brought. She had furniture. She had sofas, and one of the one of the, the sofa part was a bed, sofa bed. And Kurt and his chick didn't have a bed at all yet. Yeah. So we said to them, and they go. If you guys want, you can like use the sofa bed until you guys get like something to sleep on. You know what I mean? They go, oh, cool, thanks. And then we left and went and finished moving stuff and packing, whatever. And these this furniture was brought from someone's like storage or something. It was from her storage. So I never sat on these couches before. And for five months, I fucking just said, I hate these couches. I hate. I could sit on the love seat, sort of, but I go, this couch is the most uncomfortable. I, I feel like I'm 900 pounds because when I get out of it, I got to go like, Ugh. it's like I'm, I'm, I feel like there's just metal underneath of it. And then I didn't find, and I found out for a while when I, when we left, what Kurt and his girlfriend took is you can use the sofa bed. They just took the, they took the mattress out of the sofa bed and just put it on the floor of their bedroom. They slept like junky fucking teenagers and just left a metal, like, a metal frame and cushions over it. They just took the guts <laughs> over the sofa, and you were sitting on steel. <laughs> sitting on pure steel. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I did, When he moved, he was. I think it was like it was like a, it was like an angry move. I think when he moved, it was even like a. You can have your bed back. By the way, I was like, what? <laughs> 
<laughs> you better go, motherfucker. I'm like, is that really what happened here? I hated that couch. Oh, I hated that couch. It was fucking. It made, and by the way, night and day, we put that cushion back in. I'm like, oh my god, this couch is fantastic. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. So, Kurt, yeah, these cats, when she got pregnant, it was like the cats were both very sickly. I mean, they vomited nonstop. They were very sick, and they just let them, they'd get outside all the time, and they'd come back in with, like, God knows what, and they were just always, and cats aren't supposed to be around pregnant Pregnant people, yeah, yeah, yeah. They said they'd keep them in the room, but they wouldn't. They'd let them outside. They'd come in through windows, and they would, it was just puking everywhere. Yeah. And it was like a fucking bar. And then it all went south, and, and Kurt and his girlfriend moved out, and we got a new roommate. And uh, a couple weeks later, I was like, so what are you guys doing? Just like floating around. You know, I saw Kurt. And I was like, you know, and as, as I was talking to you about I was like, man, it's weird because like, Kurt, like, I love him. He's like my best yeah. friend. I was like, but like never had a thing with a best friend where I'm like, I don't even know if I want to talk to this guy for like three months. Like, what a bad roommate. Yeah. Really bad situation. And um, and I was like, what about the dog? He goes, the cats. He goes, I don't know, me and Jess are fighting, whatever. He goes, and we took him down to Tom's River, and we just let him go, you know? <laughs> and I was like, you know? <laughs> and got me started laughing so hard, we just let him go. <laughs> and just coaxed a fart out of oh. you. That oh. was uh, he goes. I just let him go, <laughs> and I told you that story. You're like, well, you ask what about those cats? I go, I go. Just let him go. He goes, what do you mean? I go. They just took him to the woods and let him go. Like they're wild animals. And you start doing like the get out of here, you stupid <laughs> ugly cats. I hate you. Cat. I love you so much. Oh, I and he goes, no, no, that's not what we did. We brought. I go, but that's what you told me you did. You told me you let him go in the woods. Oh, he they probably died hours later. Those cats. Oh. I remember, I remember hearing that and dying. I was dying laughing because I could picture Kurt. Just... Well, it's funny because you, you, why I said I remember that laugh so much is because your laughter. I wasn't seeing the humor in that yet. I was seeing the anger in this fucker that they yeah. fought for these cats. Yeah, we're like, please, can you give the cats to a friend? Can you whatever? Like, we, this is our cats. So you're asking someone to get rid of their babies. You know yeah. that kind of like, and then to go from that. To like the day after you fucking move out, you just release them in the woods. <laughs> like, go ahead, be free, be free. Yeah, just find your families, yeah. go to them. Oh, oh. So that story, the best of my knowledge, is true. At least what they said at that moment. Oh, I fucking. Oh my god, I remember. I remember laughing so hard at that, and I can't, <laughs> and I can't. Every time I think it that and my other my other fucking like the okay. Right now, the guts of the mattress might be one of the funniest stories I've ever heard. <laughs> the fucking Thanks, cats. man. Are we going to use my, the bed? My favorite story ever was the time, like, and this just goes down as, like, one of those life moments that you only, that only show up in movies, was the time me and Mike Vecchione worked in, uh, in Atlantic City together. What happened in Atlantic Me, you, and Mike Vecchione work in Atlantic City. It's, I want to say... I don't think it's the snowstorm, but there's no no one shows up. I mean, there's less people there. <laughs> Vecchione's going to host. You're featuring. I'm headlining. Where were we? What were we? Where was it? In at uh, not the Borgata Mohegan Borgata maybe. I don't know. I don't know. No, was this this actually was uh it wasn't Atlantic. It was at Mohegan Sun. Was it the Mohegan Sun? Mohegan Sun. Okay, it wasn't Atlantic City. It was Mohegan Sun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so we're working together. 
And I wasn't drinking, so I had to drive back to New York that night. But I think, were we smoking pot? Is it the girl got shitty? No, no, no. no. The best time, the best part. The, first of all, the guy, you guys go up and actually have pretty good sets, and I have to do an hour. And all I remember thinking is, who picked Jay to feature? Like, I can't, I'm not going to be able to follow him. And I was oh, like, and I, remember, and I remember going, I did so poorly that a guy in, a, in one of those rascals <laughs> walked out, but he took forever, and he was just heckling me as he was rolling out. And he's like, fuck you. But, but me, you, Mike Vecchione, go up to your room. I, smoking oh, weed, bro. I think we were smoking weed, and then Mike says, I'm from Boca. Do you remember this? Mike goes, yeah. I'm from Boca. I say, shut up, I'm from Florida. He goes, yeah, yeah, I went to high school in Boca. I said, really? I said, that's so funny, I dated Miss Boca High. He goes, so did I. I said, shut up. And he oh. goes, he goes, yeah. I go, he goes, what year? I said, 91. And he goes, so did I. <laughs> and I said, wait, Alex? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> and I go, when? And he goes, right up until she went to college. I go, holy shit, did you wrestle? And he goes, I did. I go, you're Mike the wrestler. <laughs> yeah, and he like goes, you're fucking time. Bert. And I was like, oh my God. He's like, oh my God, you're Bert. You're, and, I, and we <laughs> lost our shit. And I was like, and I remember saying to him, I go, when she left, from summer school to go home to break up with you did she fuck you and he was like she did i go i fucking knew it the whole time i fucking he goes why did you keep dating her? i go five fucking years five years i dated her five years and she fucked my best friend really yeah, she was a whore after five years she was she was fucking people throughout i'm certain of it but best friend man yeah yeah it we're me and him are cool now really yeah and i mean it's like kind of I, I, i'm glad it happened it's one of those things where you look back at life you're like i'm glad that worked out that way because had i been i remember telling her i wanted to be a comic and she was like it was the morning of the miami game in like i'm gonna say 90 probably right before i went to russia right after i went to russia like probably 96 i told her i want to be a comedian and she was like we were laying in her bed and she was like oh honey you're not like funny you're like frat boy funny that's not. It doesn't translate. And I was really? like, I was like, wait. Everyone says I should be a comedian. She was like, no, they just say that because they've never seen a comedian. Like comedians are smart, funny. You're not that kind of funny. And I was like, I'm not. She's like, no. I'm. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that. Oh, and like, like broke my heart. And I went, oh, those are your dreams. I was like, no. Yeah. I was like, note to self: never tell anyone a dream. Yeah. Really? What yeah. the fuck? And then she fucked my best friend. Right when I got back from Russia, I found out. And so it might have been 94, 95 when she told me that. She fucked my best friend, and then I came back, and I was like, I was wrecked. And, and then I fucking dumped her, started dating another girl, and this girl was the best thing that ever happened to me. This chick was just like, she was great. And she... Encouraging. Encouraging. I mean, I, I'll say this. I don't think she really had an insight to the idea that people failed in life. Yeah, so yeah. she was just like, you can do anything. And then Rolling Stone <laughs> discovered me, and she was like, you really can. And I was like, I think I can. <laughs> yeah. And I moved to New York. And I then can I realized, do everything. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's a little more of a... And so anyway, so wait, so when did you start, when did you stop, when did you stop pandering, do you feel like? I think the, I, I don't remember making any kind of a conscious change in my comedy uh, just getting a little more confident in New York and, and doing the clubs that had like you know audiences that were white, black, Latino, Indian, everything kind of you know mainstream mixture. Um, I got comfortable doing that. The the first change I felt in my comedy was DC Benny, who was just on you know Last Comic Standing. So funny. I don't, I don't see DC as the Last Comic Standing comic. He, I just it, only because it, I he see wasn't him as a murderer. <laughs> um, he told me he was almost out of the. This business can do it to you, man. Like. Uh, He's so he, fucking I mean, funny. I think he got like 
he got involved heavily in real estate and just like Are you serious? I, I mean when I saw him I was so happy last comic standing happened for him because yeah. I love DC. Yeah. And I'll tell you in a second how I feel like I owe him to some degree. But to DC um funny guy and around, but he said he, I saw him at Eastville Comedy Club and I was like, "Oh man, I haven't seen you forever. How you doing?" And he, he told me he goes, "Yeah, I basically got one foot out of the business at this point." He's like, "You know, I'm not making money at it. He's not on the road. Like there's no he doesn't have a road draw or anything, but now maybe with this thing he will. You know, maybe last time I will help him out. I hope. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some people you hope for. Same thing. I hope like Nat- Natterman gets a push from America's Got Talent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I really, really hope so he wait, does. What did DC do for you? But so DC used to. He didn't do it for me necessarily, but he would have those storytelling rooms. Okay, wait, hold on, Zinc hold on, bar. hold on, hold on. So, I, and I, my memory is fucking. If I had DC's number, I'd call him right now. I, DC, wanted to do a storytelling night. And I knew a bunch of people, like young kids, mm-hmm. and I was barking at the Boston Comedy. So that room started with me and him. We Zinc bar. St- we started that room together. The first show there, I told a story. DC's wife was black, or it still is she's, probably. She, she's, I think, half. I think yeah. Half black, yeah. And so, and so uh, I told a story about getting in a fight with a black guy. Uh, this guy Donovan I told it it's a, I, Like st- I'd never done storytelling I'd o- only tried to write Fucking horrible jokes And I told Me that too, story yeah. Nothing then, autobiographical at all yeah. Unless it was like a quick like So um blah, 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 Punchline Yep And I told that story And I The next night I told uh, The next week It was like on Tuesday nights I want to say The next week I told The story of um, Of Taking acid And going to Disneyland and then the next week, I told the story of going to Barnes & Noble, working at Barnes & Noble, and getting fired for pissing in the basement. <laughs> and those are the first three stories that I told. And I remember distinctly, I remember Dave Chappelle came in one night, and he fucking tanked because he couldn't tell a story. He was doing bits. Well, he didn't tank. He killed, but he wasn't. I remember DC going. <laughs> you, the comics see the chink in the armor. Yeah, yeah, and DC was like, he's supposed to be telling stories. And he just did material. And we were, and we were like, wow. I remember Brian Scolaro going up. And telling a story and leaving out one little detail, and everyone turned on him, and Scalaro lost his shit on them. It was like, but but like in a good way, in like a funny way. And so, but I remember that room. Scalaro and Ben Bailey are always ready to fist fight an audience for not liking them. <laughs> and so I stopped doing the room. I think I ended up getting a deal and going out to New York, and I came back, and then the room was wildly popular. But that storytelling show, I remember walking back the night Chappelle was on stage and going, "Wow, Chappelle couldn't tell a story." And I'm and I'm, I'm not saying he can't tell a story. I'm sure he can. But that night he didn't. He did material. Yeah. I was walking back to the Boston Comedy Club to do a set, and I remember thinking, "Man, I think I found a little bit of a loophole in my stand-up, and that is I can tell a story. I have these outrageous stories, and I was like, I'm going to start working on my storytelling. And my first hour specials, all those three stories are in my first hour special. Yeah, like I, that that DC did because he was so adamant about. And then I think Ben took it over with him, and him ben and Bailey. Ben were doing it together. Yeah, Vic but, Henley used to be get involved in a little bit, and then we did we did one. They did like a taping of some kind of version of it. Yeah, storytelling thing, urban myth, urban yeah. myth. That's what he called it. But it was uh, and now Ari's kind of taking like the the baton for the storytelling thing, which is great. But 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 DC Betty doing that, like having that room available to me, changed the way I did comedy because I was like when I would do that. I just liked it more. I like that. It's funny. It's the whole evolution of my comedy. I can do it in those phases. At the beginning, it was just... And it's the same advice I'd give to young comics now, which I do when they come. Even my buddy yesterday was like, you know, because I'm brand new at it. I had this feeling, too. He goes, I'm trying to do a new, like, five minutes, seven minutes every time. And I go, <laughs> what you got to do in the beginning is basically 
fuck whatever jokes you're doing. If you're doing the hackiest shit or the lamest stuff, he goes, get where you're not terrified to go on stage and present this to people. Yeah. Then you can start worrying about how clever you are and how and find your kind of voice. So I got to the point where I was like, I can go on stage and be like, oh, I can do well. I can like kill. Even if I'm just like, if I'm dancing or singing a song or whatever horse shit I'm doing, I could kill. I know that feeling. And a lot of people sometimes stop there, I think. But then when I, when I did the DC Benny thing, I was like, oh, I can like pace this better. And I'm not just feeling like I'm just like selling my soul, telling made up stories or, or made up jokes or, you know, you ever been on the subways and shit like that, you know, or, yeah. or just or every a thousand jokes by me just saying I'm fat. Which was a crossword me and Patrice came to at one point actually. What, what do you mean? Him, about the like fast. I don't want to get off too much of a tangent, so I'll just I'll get I'll get there's, right back to that. But just to no say tangent. no, but I'll just say it was funny that it went from like writing stuff like that, just self-deprecating like fat guy jokes, to the storytelling. But that was storytelling. It gets so wordy and like you get the bullet points of the stories down where they become re- rehearsed in a thing. That I would try to introduce the stories through just kind of going off the cuff and just being loose in between them and seeing what happens to the point where. I'm almost known now more for like going completely raw off the cuff and plugging in my material where it's like applicable, you know, yeah. and just like because it's funny the way that weird trajectory it went because it was like regimented jokes to regimented stories to like stories woven into just crowd work and kind of a weird thing. But but me and Patrice, the interesting thing that me and him had go down was, and I idolized him. You know what I mean? I think we all did. We all did, of course. Especially at that time, you'd see because he was working in the clubs all the time and not getting the kudos and it was just a comics thing like we owned him you know what i mean like we owned like how good he was like bill burr like got good in front of everybody in front of the mainstream though it was like he just like out of no it was like oh bill bill burr's here bill's pretty funny bill's pretty good and he did that half hour special man and it was like oh shit bill's here and it yeah. never got anything but like astronomically better and better after that it was just like he just hit that stride and it was amazing but like patrice was like this like how is the world not aware of this? Yeah. You, know, you didn't realize he was self-destructive in many ways and stuff. <clears throat> but like, but I remember this. So you can understand for a young comic how devastating this was. I was when I started getting some work in New York, like the, the clubs, and I'd already become friends with Patrice. Keith Robinson kind of brought us into the group of like Voss and Patrice, and I clicked with Patrice right away. We were like friendly, yeah, um, and 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 hung out a lot and bullshit on the phone and stuff. And he. Uh, We'd get a, end up on a lot of shows together just because he was all over the city and I was go, taking any show I could get. So I'd be like, you know, first or second on a show and he'd be closing them always. And my jokes were all like, you know, when you're fat and a fat guy, and, oh boy, I walk into a buffet and watch out because fat guy and fat. And when you're with a skinny girl and you're fat, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And Patrice had a lot of that too. He had a lot of those jokes at that time still. You know yeah. what I mean? It was it was a beast. He was the best and still had a lot of his thing. But was, he had jokes about, like, you know, being the fat guy in high school and the Pepsi Cola rapist and stuff like that, which, which are great jokes. But just, like, they're just so far behind where it went, where he went. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the sounds he made when he was fucking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, at one point he was even doing, like, Patrice, like, for as great as he was, man, people forget this is not to sully his name. An amazing one of the best that ever did it for sure, but when he was closing his sets on like the uh, the Dirty Sanchez, that's when you like he did like all those yeah. like it was it was a weird thing to do for him, but but you know, but he came this. I, I, we did a show at Caroline's together one time, and I went you know first or second, and I did my joke. When I came off stage, what had gotten to me, and I don't even remember who said it exactly, but it came to me that man Patrice said you're like stealing his jokes. 
And I was like, come on, man. Like, I'm in no, I've never, no one's ever said that to me before. I've seen people fight about that kind of thing, but it wasn't even in my thought process that I, you could do that. I'm like, oh, do people do that? Just like, yeah. Why would anyone say I'm stealing their joke and doing it right in front of them? It's just a weird, th- you know what I mean? Like, if you have a similar thing, like, tell me, I'll stop. It's fine, but I definitely didn't steal anything. I just am young in comedy. Maybe I have shitty jokes and you have shitty jokes. But I was like, <laughs> but I never, uh, he just, all I heard was he said you were stealing jokes and I left. I just left Caroline's dejected and I was like, that's bummed because I didn't know what to do. Yeah. This is a guy who it's like, how do I tell him I'm not? I mean, and I feel like this guy's just mad at me and now like this guy who I look up to and think is so cool who I'm like so excited to be friends with is now like, this guy's an asshole. And it's going, so then I didn't know what to do so I just, I didn't go aggressive but I'd see him for like the next week or so, and he'd say hey to me or say what's up, like as almost as normal, and I would kind of ignore him. Just I'd be like, I'd be like, I'd be like hey, hey, Patrice, you know, blah, blah, and I just wouldn't like. But normally I'd be like, you know, right next to him, like, what are we talking about? Who are we shitting yeah. on? You know, are we making fun of Voss? Oh, I love when you make fun of Voss. So like, <laughs> you know, I'd be like, uh, like uh, what's the thing next to Job of the Hut? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he. I would be very kind of distant from him, and it was. I remember getting the phone call on my landline at my mom's house. I still live in Philly, and he goes, uh, his first words, he goes, "Nigga, I didn't say you were stealing my jokes because I probably said to enough people at that point that I'm like, yeah, but you're stealing jokes." He goes, he goes, he goes, whatever asshole said that to you, he goes, that made its way around. He goes, what I said at Caroline's to Jason Steinberg, was both of our manager. Yeah, he goes. or maybe not my manager at the time. He goes, what I said to Jay, he goes, he goes, man, he goes, Jay, they keep booking me and Jay on the same shows. He goes, he's got so much fat jokes. By the time I get on stage, I got nothing left to talk about. Yeah. So he's basically saying that we're just both doing fat guys. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I go, that's not so big. He goes, he goes, and I shouldn't even have said that. He goes, you know why? Because if I think that's the case, I, maybe I'm a little more interesting than just being a bunch of fat jokes. And I haven't come to that and like talk about really changing that thing. It was such a weird it sounds very trivial, and I'm sure it was going on in his mind for months before that, and whatever he was getting at, you know, the, the the comedic creative process. But I thought it was cool that he vocalized to me. He's like, so he basically goes almost. And I think this saved me years of maybe shittier or, or, or growth. It may have like you know boosted me up a level because when he said that, he basically was saying like, so keep him. You know, let's not. We we're friends. I don't want to have any weird thing for it. I don't think you steal my jokes. He goes, but I just said. What I said was what I said, but I'm saying, like, that's not your fault. He's like, if I got a problem with that, I should be writing stuff that I think is better or, or different. Yeah. And then it me, me, immediately made me think, like, well, now I don't want to just be a <laughs> compilation of fucking, like, I know I'm so fat, right? And girls hate because I'm fat and great. It's like that's self-deprecation. So interesting. <clears throat> and it's so like Patrice. Like, I don't think, like, I don't, I, this is going to sound crazy, but I, I, that thing about stealing, I didn't know people stole material in New York. I don't know. The black circuit apparently got a lot of it. But, like, I never heard, like, like when, when I remember one time saying on stage, welcome to college, mm-hmm. something that we had said in college. But after I said it, and it, I said, welcome, like, it was like, had my dick in her mouth. And then I, I don't, I don't remember the fucking joke. Right, right. But I said, welcome to college. And then someone came up and said, just give me a heads up. Judah uh, has a joke where the punchline's welcome to college. Something about hitchhiking or something. Right. Hit a, I don't know. So I went up to Judah. I go, hey, man, I'll give you a heads up. I said, welcome to college the other night. Someone said, you have a joke like that? He's like, yeah. I said, okay, well, I won't use it. And he was like, okay, cool. 
But that was how that went. Like, I didn't know yeah. that. Like, I'm, then I moved out to L.A. And it was like, dude, people were stealing people's essence. It was like the big thing. Like, I mean, there was like, it was like. <sighs> the wording of that. Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, things happen. Like I said before, like, to run from it more than just to like kind of. I remember I used to eat shit of people going like anyone I worked with because I would pick up their thing. I'd work with Dane Cook. And then all of a sudden my comedy's very pointy and posy for yeah. a week. But you were supposed to kind of like. Yeah. It's Dude. like you're, you're, you know, it's like well, what's the the X Men where you touch him? You're supposed to take all these elements of in, like incognito, not incognito, uh, the fucking blue thing. Yeah, mystique. The, yeah, mystique. yeah, where you take you it, touch but, it. But, it's but, like, but the thing is, you're supposed to kind of like get the vibe. You know what I mean? Like, and, and then for a while they go, "You're just doing a tell." What I always thought. What, here's what I think think is amazing about David Tell. That this was his instincts. Do not get me started on this. I've actually made a pact to not talk about a tell. Well, I, I feel like I, say I this feel like I so, about myself because yeah. I feel like all I do is glorify him, and I don't think I don't think I don't think I don't, I don't like I feel like I'm putting him on a pedestal that maybe he doesn't belong on for other people. Sure, like I don't, like, don't want to set him up so that like people go, "You're Bert's favorite comic." Bert's my favorite comic, and I'm just, I don't think there's anyone that's just hearing of a tell. But yeah. if they're coming to a tell, then they're like, they, they're going to expect him to make fucking magic happen. Better be the end all be all, yeah. And it's like he's just in a. But what were you going to say? I, I'm, I fucking love a tell. Um, David Tell, when, I, when people I started getting a lot of this, she goes, dude, what it was is I would get into like, I would get in the clubs. Yeah. I passed a club, you know what I mean? I started, I was one of the guys like. It's funny how like the speed then slow and the speed and slow of these careers go. It's like when I first came to New York, like pretty quickly I was getting into the clubs though. You know what I mean? Like when I when I would yeah, get you the, the clubs really quickly. When I would get the audition for them, I would like pass them uh, generally. But there wasn't anyone like you. And then people, but but the comics, you know, your contemporaries, the guys you're doing open mics nights with and all that stuff, and get and you're starting to get these clubs. Start, you know, oh, he's just doing a tell. He's just being a tell. And I'd gotten into the cell. I just got into the cellar. And I had done my first meeting with the Toads. I did a weekend with him at Caroline's. I opened for him. He said he thought I was pretty funny. It was, it was amazing for me to get to hang with the guy. It was, like, so funny to me. And it was great. And then when I got into the cellar, I said to him, because it, it, it came to me very recently, and I was like, and we're going to be working together now at the, at the cellar, in my mind. Yeah, we're going to be at the cellar together. I'm on the late shows always. I'm too dirty for anything yeah. else. So I go, I go, Dave, a lot of people are telling me that I'm just doing you on stage. I go, I don't think i am i go but you're a guy i love to watch i'm not saying i'm not inspired but please watch me and tell me if you have any issue take any issue or if you just see what anyone's saying and here's the thing admittedly i i assume he saw something of himself in there and there was something of him in there i i think he's very different styles of comedy me and him but like whether it be like tonage or the delivery of something or whatever it may be i was definitely picking it up and what i was was amazing was he watched from the hallway of the comedy cellar. And I saw him, he could still smoke inside at the time. And I remember, like, the best reaction you'll get out of someone like him is, like, you know, he, like, put his cigarette in his mouth and he's like, he's like, hmm, hmm, hmm. You know, it's like just like yeah. a <laughs> kind of like a quick little, like, like chuckle, of like, oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I mean, it tells this guy, he's like, that's a great bit. Like, he doesn't laugh at it. And it's like, ha ha. He just goes, like, that's great. That's really funny. Like, and so, but I was getting nervous still because I was like, oh, shit. So I walked up to him afterwards. I go, what do you think? I still remember because it was a September date. I don't remember the days, but he goes, what are you doing September 13th to the, you know, 16th? I was like, uh, nothing. He goes, you want to open for me at Stress Factory? And after that day, for like eight years, he brought me on the road at least like once a month or something. to open for him. And I mean, and it, what it was, so maybe he did see it and it was just kind of like, maybe if he keeps me close 
to him. It, it, you know, maybe I would develop. I, I'd almost be forced to develop like a different direction of him. But I mean, no one's been better to me. When that guy, here's why I said just like a, a genuine love for him. This is the ability. How, how well I know how he feels about me. One, he's told me he would invest in my hour special, which is an amazing thing for someone just to say. Jesus Christ! And two, I know how he cares about his guys. And 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 Metzger and Vecchione are both people that I brought into his life. At least it may, saying like these guys are good. Like watch them, yeah. they're funny guys. Like you can. And they both opened for him a bunch of times for years. Also, but when I heard the words before I heard it from Attell, um. Attell's got a new show, Comedy Underground, coming out on Comedy Central. I go, oh, cool. Me, Kurt Metzger, Joe DeRosa, Mike Vecchione, and Louis Katz are going to be on TV. And uh, Brian Baldinger was the producer of that show, too. And I asked him. Then I, I go, I told him that story. I go, oh, in my mind, I was like, those five. He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, in the deal of that show. He goes, you, you were the five people mentioned. And like, really? these guys and comics like them will be doing it. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, I just know he takes care of like who he takes care of, man. Yeah. So he'll always look out for people that he like sees something in. I mean, Vecchione was a writer on that show. Are you serious? We were. I all, think Vecchione's funny as fuck. He's great. I'm all thinking, all three of us that. were all three of us were consultants on Dave's old porn. Are you serious? Which he basically just brings us in the fucking laugh with him when he takes you know he goes cut and then we go, you know what's with fucking Father Time the porn star over here talking about whatever. He's like, can I use that? He goes. That's why you have us here, man. Like, can I use that? Goes, it's all for you yeah. to use. Attell's, I, I think, I think I'll put in a headset to make sure we're recording properly because I'm laughing so fucking hard. <laughs> I, Attell's the guy that, I, this is going to sound, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a secret that I don't think I've ever told, but like, I remember when I first started doing comedy, Dimitri Martin was the guy that I kind of hung out with because we both started on technically the same night. Mm-hmm. And, but then Dimitri very quickly leapfrogged me and just got into the circuit. Crazy, yeah. Like, and I, I remember being, and then it was like he didn't have time for an open micer. That sounds, that sounds silly. And then and it, wasn't, it wasn't how he behaved. But yeah. it was just, you know, it's like he got out of the scene and he was welcomed in by comics. And like Jim Gaffigan wanted to go to dinner with him and talk. He didn't, wasn't going to invite me. You know, I, don't I remember blame how much him. Mark Maron just hated Dimitri, though, it seemed like. <laughs> There's, well, it's, anyway, uh, I remember, what the fuck was that? Oh, I remember Dimitri got very was very adamant about taping your sets. I've never taped my sets. I, to this yeah. day, I don't tape my sets. Um, but at the time, I had a tape recorder, and I remember taping a set I did at, uh, I want to say at Boston Comedy Club. And then I went to the cellar, and I sat in the back with Dimitri, and a tell went up. And I remember I had my tape recorder, and I was like, and it was so fucking funny that I was like, fuck it. And I hit record, and I taped his set so I could listen to it the next day. Oh, yeah. And the next day, I fucking listened on a tape recorder to my ear with to a tell walking around new york and i remember laughing so fucking hard <laughs> going like god damn it like how could i ever get there just with jo- i mean i'm still never gonna be there i'm not that kind of i'm not that smart i'm not that kind of i'm not as committed as he is there's so much to him that are that is i remember my jaw hurting man me, me and metzger like sat in the room at the comedy store when keith first brought us up here maybe like the first or second time we came up and we're like, oh, we're going to go watch David Tell. <clears throat> we went down and watched. And by the way, David Tell, like... He had the 1210 set when I, when, I beca- when I became a comic, though, is where I realized his genius. I thought he was funny. Yeah. And like his HBO half hour. I always thought it was funny. But like watching him live and, and working... I said I always described it as like the beauty is... It's like getting to watch Jordan go shoot around every day. Yeah. You know, so... His sets at the cellar. The beast, yeah. He's just amazing. But him going out, I remember like my jaw. This is, I mean, this is 13 years ago, 14 years ago. 
and I remember vividly like the, the the thing that made my jaw hurt where I couldn't stop laughing. We were talking about on the ride back to Philly that night was him just uh he asked like someone in the audience for like a a light or a cigarette and it was like some like trench coaty long hair kid and he goes look at us we're like two teen runaways he goes my name's sebastian and my dad hates me like whatever and i was like that thing he just does yeah uh you know and so it was like it's my birthday he goes why don't you go to chucky e. g just shake it. and like half the audience doesn't even get why that's funny but you're like he's just being a dick to the audience it's just, i love it I, I love watching it something he does and this is gonna it's poetry sound, this is gonna sound insane so so try to wrap your head around what i'm about to say because it's not gonna make any fucking sense. <laughs> okay but dave attell's act reminds me of i'm saying this wrong his act is the best Sunday morning, laying in bed, cuddling, talking to each other act. Like the things he says, like, like, uh, like our, our quotes that my wife and I still quote, like, uh, like, um, uh, boogly, boogly, watch out. Does everybody get it that's going to get it? My wife still says these things. Is that an Eminem like tune? relationship things that couples would say to each other. Like sure. He goes, like, and, and so much of his act, it feels like he, you're simply getting material that that um by proxy has fucking gotten into his system and you're not getting the joke you're getting a little bit of something he overheard that day or something that he watched on tv or a little documentary that he saw that's what i have like that's the kind of the power i think that i've kind of gotten from because i could say and i'll say it to when he gets off stage his um he's been visiting his mother a lot lately uh, and running a car and going to Long Island, and uh, she lives in Long Island. So when he goes out there, so I can just tell when he's gone out there because like he'll say some joke and like they like they didn't they won't laugh. But he goes, oh, he goes, this is a Suffolk County crowd. I thought you guys were more of a you know ah, I remember the name because I thought you guys were a something county, a Nassau County. It's more of a Suffolk County crowd. And he laughed and I just go. He goes, uh, more of a Ron Kokoma Village type people. And he says, like, those three things, like, one, like, reference thing. And I'm like, oh, he just drove. To- those are the signs he saw today, and he finds yeah. a way to plug them in. But I love – that's, like, a fun thing to do in comedy that I learned from. It's like, watch this. Like, how can you just feed in, like, the thing you were laughing about in the hallway? How can you make the whole room laugh at the reference of it? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, like- he's, he's one of those guys. Like, I, I can't imagine. I, I will tell you right now, I would have given up anything to tour with him. Just to have that insight. Like, he, he told me I had one funny joke one time. Man, that joke was in my act every single night. Because <laughs> I was like, it's a tell-approved. It fucking kills. He, like, uh, he brought me in. Uh, I went with him on, like, five dates of the uh, Insomniac tour on the tour bus. The whole thing, yeah. It was really? one of the coolest things I've ever done, yeah. Never been on a tour bus before at that point. And, like, it was really, really fucking neat. He's an interesting guy because he's not super open. Like, I would love to do a podcast with him, but I can't imagine all the questions I'd want to ask him. I'm sure he'd dodge. Yeah, you weirdly won't get anything. Yeah, it doesn't. He's, not, he's just, uh, he's. Isn't it weird though? Because that tends to not lend itself to being like a good comic. Yeah, like just being private. There's usually some kind of like. He was my canary in the mind for a long time about drinking. Yeah, yeah. When I was drinking in the clubs, I was like, as long as the tell's going hard, I'm going hard. Uh, yeah. Him and Geraldo, and then Geraldo died. I was like, fuck. 
I was like, all right, Lisa Tell, he quit too. I, what never, the saw, fuck? I never saw that side of Geraldo. It was so weird. I never saw it either. I've heard about it in so many ways. I've never saw it. And I I mean, I saw him, you know, once a night walking around the village. Yeah. And when he was drinking hard. Yeah, I, just, I, I never ever saw I, Now, I did see a Tell going hard at points. But like. Uh, I never even saw a Tell go hard. One day, man. Because I used to go with him, you know, I said go with him on the road, and like that was like a Jaeger drunk he'd get. And I'm not a big drinker, man. I've never just been like a big like pound shots guy. I'll do it, but yeah. it's like it's not my. It's, it's, I, I've never like planned for that to be the case. But it, when with him, I go, like, oh, yeah, I'd like, I really prep myself because I know, uh, you know, I go on with David Tell weekend. We're gonna go hard with the Jaeger, and he just goes smoking a cigarette outside of a, of a hotel lobby that we just got to. He goes, oh yeah, he goes, I quit drinking. I'm not drinking any. I go. Really? I go, shut up, dude, really? He's like, yeah, quit your I go, oh, cool, man, good for you. And he just never did it again. <laughs> like, I don't think, and again, I could, I could be speaking a little out of school, but I, I, I'd say I'm a close friend to him uh, to some degree, and, like, I don't think he's ever slipped up or fallen off the wagon or anything. He's just, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot to admire about the guy. I, I always like that he always does his own shit. That whatever his project he's working on, it seems like he created. He's doing his money. He puts into it. Yeah. His own money. Yeah, he really, and he, and he, uh, and he believes in his project, and he and he brings people along. Man, that's a real, real big thing. Who have you have you brought anyone along? Um, I mean, say that I I pulled DeRosa out of uh, Philly. Yeah, you know, what I mean, a guy tried to help. Uh, like guys who I think are like funny. I will absolutely like. I, I worked with DeRosa. I used one to bring. Weekend. I used to bring. Pete Holmes around to the clubs. Really? Yeah, I thought Pete was really funny, man. I'd bring him around to the clubs. No, you thought it was funny? That's interesting. <laughs> I'd introduce him around. Uh, DeRosa I brought up. I moved him in with me. And uh, and I just took him around to the clubs and got him in with... Uh, okay, here's the real question. Wayne Rada. <laughs> Why hasn't Kevin Hart given you a million dollars? You know what? I, I, I don't know. But I will say this always for Kevin. And there's definitely... I'm sure it's even public things about me being like, you know, yeah, our friendship didn't really go like. Are you guys stay. not friends anymore? We're friends, not that, but I, but for anything, I, I'll, I'd fist fight for Kev's honor because uh, Hurricane Sandy, dude, obliterated me. Really? Like, yeah, obliterate. Yeah, I'm circumstantially moved out of Queens. My ex and my daughter, uh, uh, her mother owned a house in Long Island. She was going to move to back to Columbia, South America. With and, your daughter? No, 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 no. Her mother, my okay. uh, my, uh, my daughter's grandmother. Yeah, my ex's mom was, and, and so the house was there, and it was like basically take over the mortgage and live in this house, which it was. It's it's an awful house that is just it's terrible. I don't like the house at all. It wouldn't have been the one I would have picked for myself ever. Yeah, but circumstantially it worked out, and we were out there and. Uh, Funny enough, it's because it was just like a, her furnished mother's house, basically. Downstairs was sort of an apartment, and that was sort of like the beginning of the end of me and my uh, ex anyway. Like, So I kind of stayed in the apartment downstairs, and they kind of had the upstairs. So, But all of our stuff that we owned really was in the basement. And Sandy came and just obliterated that, but it also obliterated like our car. Like the car got destroyed. Are you shitting me? Yeah, it was a real like – it was a fucking movie, dude, Sandy. It, the, the water – like she came back to get me. Our daughter stayed at her friend's house. I was staying behind because the hurricane the year before fucked up a lot of our shit, but it was only like six inches of water. And I was like, I'm going to stay behind because I'll fight six inches of water. Yeah. If I got to bail buckets, I'm not going to let it destroy everything. Six inches year, of water. The year before, it fucked up a lot of shit, but there was still a lot of shit there. Yeah. 
and you just can't move at all. You know what I mean? Like so, I was like, I'll fight. I'll stand at the doorway of that basement and bail water for eight hours if I have to, but I can't. Or I'll find a way to block it or something. Yeah. And uh, in minutes, the water in the basement was up to my thighs. In minutes, when it came, it came fast, and then. She came to get me in the car. I mean, it was like a fucking movie. Like, turn. I've never been so scared in my life. Turn around in the car. SUV, 2012 Ford Explorer. Uh, driving it, running away from a wall of water coming at us. And eventually just it came up on the sides of the car, got above the hood, and the car just stopped in the middle of the street. And um, it was, thank God it was a heavy car. It would have actually, I felt like it could have What did you guys away. do? Uh Opened the car doors, got out, walked back in about stomach deep water, walked three blocks, holding a dog over my fucking head. Shut up. <laughs> it's crazy. It was nuts. And then our, we didn't get back to our daughter that night. And we had to hole up with the neighbors, two neighbors stayed too. But I mean, the, the news was basically saying we were going to die. It was one of the scariest things I've ever been a part of. But that, it did fuck my shit up. And I started getting calls from Kev and I was not taking them. For some reason, I don't know what it is, man. Like egotistical pride or whatever it was, but like uh, Keith Robinson then started calling me and getting mad that I wasn't answering. I just knew there was, I, I kind of knew something was coming, like you know, like a handout to some degree, and I sort of didn't want it. But I mean, like uh, Kev went above and beyond, man. I mean, he he essentially like got my information almost like third hand and like uh, like put like money, like put money in my bank. Really? Yeah, but what was fucking hilarious, like. So he did it. He basically goes like, "There's money." He goes, "Let me know you got the money." And, and then blah, blah blah. He goes, "It's not a loan, dude." He goes, "I want you to help you, like, you know, snap back." And he gave me like a, I don't want to say the number, but he gave me like, you know, uh, <laughs> it's funny to go. It goes, I don't want to make it sound like he gave me like a million dollars because like it's, yeah. I don't want to make it sound too big, but it's like because technically he probably gave me something that he could make like by you know go <laughs> pointing at somebody in a dance club for uh, five minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay, I know, but you can make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, to me. For, for for you know, for a, a club minimum or slightly above headliner, yeah, like road headliner, he gave me like you know, six gigs worth of money up front. You know what I mean? Like just to give me, just to help me, like you know, and it was good. It was just help with like rent and stuff, like you know, mortgage stuff, like for for a couple months. And it was a really cool move. So I think that was like a really like. I know it's a bit of a throw money at it situation, but how can you complain? I mean, that was a really, oh, yeah. really, really, really neat thing. At the same time, uh. I actually described this on, on Rogan's thing yesterday, but same kind of thing with Kev. We didn't really get into Kev, but like when you're circumstantial friends with someone, you kind of see like when that circumstance changes, like where you go, it's it's not always necessarily a bad thing. Like me and DeRosa, I, I would have said at one point I was like, how is Joe DeRosa not the godfather of my daughter? When he lived with me, yeah. we're together every day. We're always coming home together because we live together. I drove. We lived in Queens, so we'd drive home together. During the day, we'd bullshit, laugh, play a video game, listen to whatever, smoke cigarettes in the balcony. It was just constant. You know what I mean? And then uh, I'd bring him to open for me when I could if I was getting some headline stuff before him. And when he moved out, moved to Harlem, like we just didn't anymore. And it's no one. I love Joe. When I yeah. see him, it's great to catch up with him. You know what I mean? Like I really care about him. I know his family and everything. But it just wasn't that way. And when me and me and Kev and even Keith Robinson, you know what I mean? And Kurt were driving to New York like every day. And then even when Kurt moved up, we were still driving up, me and Kev. But when I moved to New York and Kev moved to LA, like the communication just wasn't what it was. Like, like Kev changes his number regularly. Where I got bummed, the only time it bummed me out, 
with Kevin Hart, I got genuinely pissed off. Not pissed, wrong word, but it is. It's bummed. It was more sad. It was. There's nothing to be pissed at. Was um, when my daughter was born. He Kev may have been my third phone call, and I found out uh, his first two. I think he has three kids now, maybe, but definitely yeah. two. And I found out both of them. Honestly, ironically, from the same person. Both of them, I found out third hand from Dean Edwards that he had a kid, and I was like, oh. You know what I mean? It was one of the things yeah. I was like, ah, I'm like, all right. But, that, but I don't even look at it. There's no animosity there towards everything. And I think it's, it's amazing what he's done. Like Kevin it Hart really wanted, is. Kevin Hart didn't even necessarily, I never felt his dream was to become like a, an amazing comedian. He, he wanted yeah. to become a star. And oh, motherfucker, if he didn't do that, man. I mean, he, he is he He's is really, he's, uh, I've, I had, I've never had anything but like, uh, I always got a kick out of him. Yeah, like, yeah, I never, yeah, yeah. Like, but I, I never really hung out with him. So I don't, like, I just knew him at clubs. And I'd run into him at the airport, and we'd say oh, hi. Man, and, and he is like, uh, I mean, the stories of those drives, it, it, when you look back, everything was like the, the major struggle times. Sometimes you look back like, man, what fucking fun. Oh. I tell my buddies and younger comics who complain about that, I'm like, man, enjoy these stupid, broke fucking yeah. stories, man, because these are the ones. Think about, think about Me, it. Kevin, Keith driving back and forth to Philly every day. You, I mean, driving back. Kevin, it, it, Keith. Metzger and Metzger every day driving back and forth fucking do you realize when my ex-girlfriend dumped me after like six years like because I was like going to New York all the time she just started fucking some other dude like the bat like you think like in a car everyone's you know be like you know your friends are supposed to be like dude come on you're gonna get back on your feet these guys just talking about like he probably taped my headshot to her back so he can come on her back in my face the same time <laughs> And like, but those are the things that, uh, as a comic, those are the things that snap you out of it. You're like, ah, it's really hilarious. Like, oh, I, I, as I much as you want to sit there and sulk and like, you know, listen to fucking Ario Speedwagon CDs while you look at a picture of her. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, like like the guys going like, dude, she's probably taking three cocks at once right now. <laughs> she couldn't wait to do it. We all could have fucked her. We think, and you're like, shut up, guys. But those are the things that snap you out of that shit way quicker than sulking. And I think it's like such an important thing. You know what I mean? Like those, uh, just the fun of that, man. Keith Robinson stealing my car to go get pussy and just, and it's Patrice just laughing. Well, he goes, Patrice, they can crash, hang at your place for a while, right? He's like, I'm going to borrow the car. I'll be back in like an hour. I go, well, Keith, wait, I don't want to. And he just drove off in my Saturn to go get pussy. And then me, me and Kev following Patrice as he lumbers slowly to the path train to go back to Jersey City. We're taking public transportation. And then Keith, you know, his ball's empty, comes back like it's five in the morning. He picks up from Patrice. He's like, I'm sorry, y'all. I don't know how it is. He just called and said to come over, and I got all. <laughs> you know, the clarity of empty balls when you're yeah. like, ah, I really ah, fucked I really you guys fucked up. up guys. I can't. Yeah, he left like three hours. He just left us sitting at Patrice's while he wouldn't get pussy. <laughs> me, Patrice is angry. He wants to go to bed. <laughs> fucking me and Kev are playing video games in his living room. What a fucking great time that is when you think back and you realize. The amazing talent you just hung out with and almost took for granted and would fight with and just be like... Oh, I think of all... Dude, me uh, me and Bill Burr going to see like Iron Maiden. No one's stopping Bill Burr in the streets. Nobody, no yeah. Netflix, no Revered. I mean, a 12-person in the audience Wednesday headline, Bill Burr. And you're like, wow, where he is now. And it's, it's funny like to watch those things happen because I'm, you know, I'm still very low-rung in, in this world. But... To see Bill, it's like, you know, we were in Australia together, and I had a, a buddy. Literally, a buddy's a weird word for it, but he is a buddy, but it was a Starbucks employee when I lived in Long Island, moved to Australia. And he would get into my comedy. He'd come to a couple of my comedy shows and stuff, yeah. so we became like buddies. 
and he uh, moved to Australia. So when I went out to Australia, I'm like, I hit him up. You should come hang out at some shows. He came to bullshit at the hotel with me for a while. And I was like, oh, if you want to take a walk over, I said, me and uh, Bill Burr's here. We're going to go watch the bats fly over. I think if you want to go. He's like, wait, Bill Burr? Like, he was like, he couldn't believe. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, wow. He's here. And like freezing up in front of him. And you're just like, wow, man. It really is like, it's yeah. amazing the perspective, isn't it? Because like, I saw Bill Burr. Never broke, I don't think. I mean, he was like working when I, when I came upon him. Like, but he was like colleges. Yeah. You know what I mean? No one knew who he was. No one gave a shit. It's so funny. Uh, it's so funny when you think back and you're like, like, uh, like I look back and I just go, I, I really wish I had listened more. No, yeah. people are going to hear this podcast and go, oh, you should do that now. <laughs> but, I, but like, I wish I had listened more and not tried to prove myself and be like, I'm funny. You know what I mean? I wish I just kind of sat back and paid more attention. I wish I like gave a fuck about the seller enough to like, un- to like, I wish, I wish I had cared more about the seller than the Boston at the time, but I just had all my eggs invested in that basket and I'd go to the seller and I'd listen to them fucking tear people apart. But like, like DePaulo always scared the fucking piss out of me. <laughs> yeah. So if he it was ever there and I didn't know him, I would just back the fuck off. You just lay, lay I'd just be like, oh, he'll fucking hurt me. Like <laughs> I can't, I can't be a part of that. See, I walked into it, and I really described the DeRosa era of guys who came was the that was the era of the alt comic personality dominating the fun New York vibe of what comedy was, which was mean? like the I, I think New York had that vibe of like ball busting, yeah. guys shitting on each other, just gruff, harsh comedy, funny. You know what I mean? Like these guys were just beasts, and, they were men. and, and, and but. But we'd walk in. I remember when I walked in, and me and Kev, but and Kev jumped in the game right away with the ball busting. But I didn't really jump in the game of doing it back. But to me, the fun of going to the city, we're doing that hike from Philly every day. When you get there, the fun was. Oh, I'm gonna walk in and like, oh, why would I? Why did I wear a sleeveless shirt today? I'm fat. And you're like, and I'd walk in, and then as soon right away they see you. And it's like, oh, Jay, you got, and they're like, you got fucking dice clay arms, and they're shitting on me for an hour and a half. But I am there ear to ear, and I try to say something back, and I'm like, Rich, you're dressed like a fucking boxing trainer from 1920s. Boo! They start booing your comment and shitting, or you you do get them and they laugh at you, or they, yeah. they or like, then he would say, Rich Voss, say something back to me that stunk, and then they'd start shitting on Rich, and it was like, and I thought that was the most fun thing in the world. And DeRosa was the first generation of guys that they do that and they'd go outside they'd have to be apologized to. It's like, I was just like, you know, you guys are making fun of my shoulders. It's it's like, after a while, it's like, all right, man, I I fucking get it. Did DeRosa used to talk about moving to L.A. with the dreams of getting away from people being mean? (laughs) He go... Steve Wor- he goes, Steve Burns sent word back from L.A. that no one makes fun of you out there. Steve Burns sent word <laughs> yeah. from L.A. I heard Eddie Ifs moving out. <laughs> he goes, I got word from Steve Burns. No one makes fun of you, man. Everyone's just encouraging. He's super great and tells you you're wonderful. <sighs> and that's when that started happening. That's where that alt scene bred was a bunch of people going like, oh, the awesomest comics. In the world. And, then, and then the weirdest thing is corporate nerds that, that would get jobs. So you get these corporate nerds who only do comedy in fucking bars and basements of fucking Thai restaurants. Get day jobs as like bookers for like MTV and shit like that. And then, yeah. and then they start going like, oh, no, you're going, what are you looking at the comedy club weekend lineups for for your comedy? Goes, this, these three-year dudes, 
you know, who uh, fucking wear skinny jeans. Yeah, it's like it's like no, that's where your humor's at, and it just like changed the whole climate of the scene. It really did change it. I didn't know Joe was that. Was I don't know the na- scene as much. I, I'm telling you, ten out of twenty people who do like like like. like Fifty percent of the people who do Conan O'Brien, so like, I, I've never heard of them until they're on Conan O'Brien. Oh yeah, and I, I keep my, I keep my finger on the pulse of like who's out there, even the young people. You know what I mean? Like I try to like know what's going on at least names. If I don't even know faces, name. I'm talking about there's people doing it where I'm like I've never even sort of heard of this person before. There's people where I go where I watch them and I go, not only do I not know them, but like I can stay with, see within a. The, you're, you're completely right about that. There are people that are booking comedy that I just feel like they don't know a fucking thing. Yeah, and and but I, not that it affects me in any ma- manner because I figure if I'm gonna do something, I have to do it on my own anyway. Yeah, and the thing is, like, we're not neither is gonna be on guy code. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter anyway. Be on guy code. It doesn't matter. So it doesn't really matter in that regard. Yeah, I, I'm kind of like it doesn't really matter to me either. Exactly. Like if I get Conan, like they know me a Conan. So if, if I get a set together, I can. It's not that I can't the submit. Premise you have about doing the Tonight Show. I I, I want to do it. So but, yeah, yeah. So that it's fun. Isn't that a fun idea? It. It's like it's a Fuck skit. Yeah. I'm basically selling him a skit. That I think he'd be way into. We'll, we'll see what you happens. Want to hear something crazy? That story, I, I don't know, you didn't see it last night, but the story I told about fighting a bear. Yeah. I saved that for fucking years. I've yeah. saved it for years. I know it's a great fucking story, and it can be really short, and I saved it for like fucking The Tonight Show, or Conan, or Letterman. Anyone could have it. If you just tell me you want me to come on your show, it's a great story. And fucking, it just is like... I don't know. They just—they're like, "Well, do you want to do it in stand-up?" I was like, "No, it's more like a panel story because I want them to fuck around with it." And they're like, "Oh, well, I don't know." And then I fucking did Letterman, and we just never brought it up. We just got on like nineteen different. T- you gave t- it to them, but you didn't. No, but I, I told them I was like, "I'll tell any story you want," and they're like, "They." I gave them all the stories, and then Letterman just randomly started talking about Rachel Ray, and we just started <laughs> talking about Rachel Ray the whole time. Really? I, jumped, I jumped out of a plane with her. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, not just randomly. Like, yeah, have goes, you watched Rachel yeah, Ray? Rachel Ray goes, she's good. She's good. What time, do you, what time do you have to be at your next thing? Four. What time is it now? We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not running close, right? I think so. Okay, How good. far away is Burbank from here? Not that far. Then we're just good. Take, uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, if we stop now, I have too much time. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's 2.20. Do you want anything almost. to drink? I'm going to grab a Diet Coke. Oh, I'll take a Diet Coke, yeah. And have some combos. I can't. Carbs. <laughs> I'm doing no carbs, no sugar during six days a week. Me and my girlfriend. Well, I'm getting ready to go do this. Like I said, I get these gigs. I'm doing these. I do these cruise ships. I do one a year. This is the only time I'm doing two. Is uh, I'm going on. It's called motorboats. Motorheads cruise. Oh fuck! I just poured so much <laughs> on me. I'm such a fucking idiot. Um, wait, hold on. You're doing motorheads. You're doing a cruise with Motorhead. That, uh, fucking, you know what's so funny? I saw on Twitter you were doing something like that last yeah. year. Shiprocked. Yeah, what was that? I do Shiprocked every year, too. It's uh, They charter like a real cruise ship. So last year was Norwegian Pearl. Yeah. This uh, Motorhead one is uh, a carnival, like the Carnival Ecstasy or something like that. And it's like, it's a real cruise ship. I would never get asked to do comedy on a cruise ship. I'm far too, like, dirty. Yeah. But on these things, you know, I do when the music's when when Corn finished their show. Corn was on that. The first one I did was God Smacking Corn, but like ten of the big POD was on it. Hanging out with Corn on the ship. I do because I know I just know them. I went on tour with them. I went on an actual tour with Corn. I did uh, my first thing ever with that with that kind of world was I went. It was called the Ballroom Blitz Tour. It was Corn in four thousand or less seat rooms. Some of them were fucking sports bars. It was pretty crazy, and I did comedy in between. Went great. 
Then right from there, three weeks after that tour, I went on the Mayhem Fest with Corn, Rob Zombie, Five Finger Death Punch, Lamb of God, which is the four main bands. There's 12 small bands, too, you know, or eight small bands on the small stages. And um, I, I did that. I did come, I'd go out to introduce the whole day, fuck with the crowd. Then I'd open up the main stage, fuck with the crowd a little bit, and then I'd go out right before Rob Zombie and do like a 15-minute quote-unquote set. But still, I'd fuck with the crowd and shit like that. And and figuring out how to do that and just kind of getting into that world and then the shit and then I went on Mayhem Fest a couple two years after that with Slipknot and Anthrax and Slayer and so I just kind of got into that world and Shiprocked happens and it's great so I could do comedy after the bands wait like, how do I, you get do you, does your this is going to sound really remedial but like well my my agent actually got me the Shiprock thing the first time I had a manager for like Six months, this guy named Reverend Dave Ciancio. He's a music manager. Now he like owns a bar and does like a burger blog or something. Great dude. Really great guy. Yeah. Used to manage a band called Shadows Fall and all these like other bands. He he started this company called The Syndicate, which is also Laugh Button, if you've never heard of those guys before. They're like a good promotional team. He he started that company. He was one of the starters of it. And he just like he, he didn't know anything about comedy, but for some reason, like, the agency group thought me and him would be a good mix together because it was funny, but most of the time his phone calls were like, all right, big opportunity here. I got you opening for Don Jameson in a VFW hall in you know, <laughs> Nutley, New Jersey. I'm like, yeah, dude, I, I'm fine. I, that's okay. Like, I, I'm, I don't want that gig, you know. Yeah. Like, You sure? I, it's the guy who owns the VFW hall. He also owns a bar on so-and-so. I'm like, yeah. I don't. But then one day he called me. I mean, an hour apart phone calls from each other. You want to go on tour opening for Corn? You want to go on tour opening for Mayhem Fest? So that got me into that world. Now, John Reese, the guy who owns Mayhem Fest, knows me now. So every couple of years on Mayhem Fest, he puts me on it. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. asked me, or he asked me at least to go do it. And uh, through that world, so my agent just was like, you know, they they people book stuff. So Rock on the Range, I did out in uh, which you would love that gig. It's it's a tent comedy tent out there, but it's like. It's just to go and rock on the range. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's a hundred thousand seat soccer stadium with like the whole day. It's like you know, it's like Guns and Roses, you know, Soundgarden, Smashing up. Pumpkins, and but it's insane. Three day festival. You could do comedy on two or th- they'll put you How there for the whole three days. Left? That one's simple. It's a comedy tent. When I did Mayhem Fest, I was just going out there to the fucking and every show before Rob Zombie in the middle of my set, they drop a tarp over the stage. So and they don't listen. They're not listening for me. They don't give a fuck. So in the middle of my set somewhere, I was one of my first tweets ever actually, where I was like, I just figured out the worst thing that could happen to you in comedy is in the middle of a joke, a giant tarp drops, and the people that aren't paying attention to you now are just going woo because Rob's <laughs> and I have to just you know I sound like a cartoon as I got to come out from behind the scenes like figure my figure and I get in front of the thing and just start shitting on people again, but. Just jumping into that world is great. And then uh, super artist Justin Edbrook, my agent, who's awesome. It's Ari's guy, too. He's an I've awesome never, dude. I've never heard of him. <laughs> I hope Justin's listening right now. Oh, uh, me too. <laughs> Justin, uh, he's like Ari. I don't know. He, he couldn't do it or didn't want to do this rock, this ship rock thing. Do you want to do it? And I went and did it. And just like, I just know how to handle that atmosphere now at this point. Like those kind of raucous like rock crowds. Yeah. And so we'll do like a two- a 2 a.m. or you know, like a, or 12 a.m. comedy show for these people. It, it gets great. We did our podcast live last ship rocked. Me, Louis J. Gomez, and Dave Smith. Like, really? you, actually, you work, you work with Louis. Yeah, I know Louis. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we did our thing, and we almost, we got into a humongous melee with the band Three Days Grace. The guitar player from Three Days Grace came over unprompt and fucking threw wine on us 
while we're recording our podcast, and it became a whole fucking Wait, thing. And you guys really got into it? We There's a 16-second video online of us all getting like up in faces and shit, but this guy was hammered, wearing a fucking pirate hat. He came over and splashed. Actually, he just came over and told us to shut up while we were podcasting, and I don't know who he is. Who the fuck knows the guitar player from Three Days Grace? <laughs> if the lead singer did it, I wouldn't know who that yeah. is. That said, I'm not even doing like a, a bitchy, girly, like, I know Three Days Grace. I can name five of their songs, I think, that I like, I think. But yeah. I don't know what they fucking look like. They're not that kind of band. <laughs> yeah. No one's invested in Three Days Grace, like, heavy. They're just like, you know, you have those five songs on your iPod, and you yeah. stole them. Yeah. <laughs> Guy comes over. He's like, why don't you shut up? Everyone's here for music. They don't want to hear your bullshit. And we're even going like, so go find music, fuck face. Like, there's a thousand bands on this boat. Like, we're in this room doing a podcast. Like, suck my dick, beat it. And he's like... Fuck you, you're yapping and no one gives a shit about your bullshit yapping. And he fucking uh, walks away. And it was so like sudden and weird. Because by the way, one thing about this cruise ship, I'll say, across the board, and pretty much Mayhem Fest too, except for the occasional drunk while I'm on stage, anyone who walks up to you is like, dude, a fucking, that's awesome, dude. You rule. How cool. How lucky are you? How whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? They're all it's very supportive or dismissive. But never aggressively mean. In a, in a weird, in a world of metal, you'd think there'd be more. Yeah. But the people that speak up, at least, are always pretty cool. So this guy, it took, took us so off, took us by, you know, we all got like kind of sideswiped by it. And he starts walking away. And as he's walking away, it just starts, you know, you know the ego kicks in. So you're kind of like, what the fuck? Like, fuck that faggot. Like, fuck that dude. Really? Yeah. That guy can suck my dick, fucking faggot. And he turned around, we're like, fuck you, faggot. Really? Now it's hilarious. I wish I would have known this in hindsight. They said his brother was gay and died from AIDS or something which I'm like I wish I would have known that now it's hilarious so yeah I was like, I was like now I wish I would have known so I told him I would have told him I wish he died like his gay brother from AIDS <laughs> I hope his brother gave him AIDS from bro bro butt fuck and we're just it's just aggressive but we didn't know that at all so we're just going like uh, we're going fuck this fag like, fuck you dude yeah fuck you and we just leave, but, and it looks like he walks out of the room and we're like what a jerk off and we just go back talking and then we just this guy starts storming back to the stage and he's like talking still. We're like, "What, dude? Fuck off, man! Like, beat it!" Yeah. He comes over and he, he directly. What's so funny about it is he's like looking at Dave. He's got my Dave Smith, the guy doing my podcast with the Legion of Skanks podcast on Cave Comedy Radio, where he's got his eyes set on Dave. He doesn't like what Dave's saying, and he's gonna go splash wine on Dave. But the way wine glasses work, you know, they're, they're kind of yeah. weird. It's not even at even his his direction. He points is right at Dave. But he just douches me. I am covered in red wine. <laughs> it took he did like a hook to it and embarrassed. And I'm like, so I'm, like I'm like, what the fuck? And it's in my eyes. <laughs> and we all get up, and we're in faces, and we don't know what's going. And, and, and it's my, just him. And it's just him. And, and he's got like two handlers, I guess. But but he's, he, these guys that seem to be kind of like, come on, dude, let's he? get out of here. Let's get out of here. Uh, like probably in his mid to late thirties, if I had okay. to guess. So he's uh. And they're kind of like pulling him away. And he's like, fuck. And it's just such a weird. And what's happening is none of us just threw a punch because I think we all are. Ra- and by the way, these are all like none of us. Uh, by the way, I'm far from like a let's go fight. I mean, I never want to be in a fight. If I said so I could sign that contract that I'll never be in a situation to have to fight or even want to fight again, yeah. I'd love it because I'd, I'm, I'd, I'm so afraid of it. I'd love that. You could only interact with contract owners. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, oh, sorry, you're not in the contract. You have to leave the bar right now. <laughs> yeah, because I don't want to be in a fight. I don't want to get into a thing, dude. I don't like aggressive for no reason bullshit. 
Yeah. I'm a guy who is apologetic. I'm a guy who sees my fault if I'm wrong. I go, I'm sorry, dude. That was, you know, I shouldn't have said I'm self-correcting. That. Yeah. I'm very, but, but some people are just all alpha and they go a different direction. So the reason that it wasn't still for me, like I'm going to throw a punch is because I go, well, this is going to be handled like adults. And so like security's about to jump in here and this guy's got a problem because he's just some dude on the ship and, and he's throwing shit at the performers. Like, fuck that. He walks off, man. They walk. They let him walk off, and it's going. And I go, and I'm saying in the microphone, I go, "Is there no security on this thing for real? Is like no one going to grab this guy?" I go, "I'm gonna in five seconds. I'm gonna go fucking jump, and I'm gonna fucking smash this guy into a wall." Uh, all right, bye, and we go. And the three of us just fucking start heading. I wasn't even waiting for them to even kind of do it. I'm like, "I'm I'm going yeah. after this guy." We get out into the hallway now. Eighteen security guys gather us. And uh, they pull us into a... Uh, like, can we just talk? Let's just all talk. Let's just go talk. And it's us, the three of us, and security in this room with this guy's two handlers. Now we're finding out it's the guitar player from Three Days of Grace. Barry Stock. His name's Barry. It's a bit to get bullied by a guy named Barry. 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 I know. Barry. Come on. Bear. <laughs> <laughs> Such a Jewy name, <laughs> Barry. I have an uncle Barry, and man, is he Jewy. <laughs> Barry Rosenberg. So that name comes with allergies. <laughs> so Barry's not even there, and we're just and and the ship rock people who I love, man, and they're like, you know, your family goes. This these guys are fucking awful. They've been a problem all week. They're never gonna be on the boat again. Like. What do you want to do? I mean, do you want to, like, if, if you guys are going to press charges on it in some way or make it a thing, it goes, we got your back, man. Like, we can go, but you're going to be, when we dock, you're going to be in Miami-Dade uh, all day. All day. Yeah. You're going to miss your flight. It's going to be a thing. Goes, or we can just tell you these guys suck dick. They're awful. Fuck this dude. Then I think they're making up a little bit of stuff. I'm not fully sure, but, like, but I do, I say on record, I love the Shiprock guys. They've been really good to us. But yeah. there's, I think they're giving a lot of, like, the guys kicked out of the band anyway. Like he, he's like they, even the the band is saying like they're His sick of this guy. Dumping it. Yeah, they're giving all these things where it's like he's just drunk. Do you know how drunk people get? And then I get mad. I really make a statement about that. They go, you know, how people get when they're drunk. I go, I don't, dude. You know what? I've been drunk a bunch. Dude. I've never been that guy. It's an enhancement of what you are. And I've never gotten drunk and been like, what this fucking faggot? I've just yeah. never been that guy. I'm not. I'm a jolly drunk until I'm like. Oh, I don't feel good now, maybe. It's like those are my two levels of it. Yeah. It's not like, I'm going to fucking fight. Is that, is that prick looking at me? I've never been that guy. Yeah. So like, I don't make that as an excuse that he's drunk. Fuck that. No, I, I'm like, we're going to do whatever I go. Or you guys got to do something. In here, this security should do something to him. I don't know if he has to go back to his room, like like told to go back to his room, or you guys hold him in some room for a couple hours. Like make him punish him yeah, for what's happening. There needs to be repercussions for that behavior. Something for what he did, because I, you understand, you're asking three men to just fucking accept what happened in there in front of a room full of people. We got wine special face, and we watched one dude walk off. Yeah, chumped three of us and walks off, and I got fucking. And dude, those guys say looking over and trying to laugh as I'm douched with red wine. <laughs> Like all over my shirt and everything, my eyes. I'm just blinking a lot. It was like Carrie. <laughs> oh shit! I have to do it because you'll laugh. My one of the greatest American Dad jokes of all time is when they 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 show a prom scene and uh and in the middle of like, like someone getting crowned, like they pull a lever and a bunch of pigs, actual pigs, fall on the person. Yeah. He goes, "What are you doing, man?" He goes, "You were supposed to do pigs' blood." He's like, "Didn't you see the movie Carrie?" He's like, no, nah, I read it. I mean, I read most of it. He goes, 
Are you saying you read the book, Carrie, and you stopped reading after the word pigs? <laughs> you didn't get the blood? <laughs> That's one of the funniest jokes. You stopped reading after the, the word, word pigs? <laughs> Don't do a bunch of pigs. I'm done with this book. <laughs> this book sucks. <laughs> That's such a fucking clever joke, man. Some of the writing on those. Those Seth MacFarlane sitcoms have some of the, some clever writing sometimes, oh. man. They're great. But, um, so... They calm us down, like, and the Shiprock guys are being so like, dude, your family, you know you're on this thing every year. Which, by the way, I will hold them to that because the Legion of Skanks guys are so worried that like every year you're always like, is it real? Are they going to give us another like cruise ship that we yeah. can go on and, and get hooked up on this thing? But they said we're family and we're on it every year, which I hope they, they hold true to their fucking words on that, you know? But so they're calming us down a lot. They go, can we just let it go? Man, let's just let it go. And then there's a guy who's like a fan. He's like... Saw that dude upstairs, dude, and I was like, he's got such burnouts. He's like, I was like, huge fan, love the tunes, really not cool what you did down there at the Legion of Skanks, guys. And he was like, uh, and I think he saw, I saw in his eyes, dude, like he knew he fucked up. He knew. And I'm like, but now we're just kind of like, the fire's going out. That just happens yeah. kind of naturally. You know what I mean? Like, their handler guys are kind of like, not that they're like, we're sorry, but they're like, He's just drunk. Dude. They're trying. I'm kind of annoyed with the handler guys, but security and the shiprock guys are giving a lot of petting on us. Going, yeah. you guys, can we just be cool? Dude? It's the last night. We're docking in the morning. We're all out of here. Three days grace. We'll never be on shiprock again. Those guys have been assholes all time. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right, dude. Whatever. You're, it's the end of the night, dude. Let's just fucking. And then we go and we just do. I do a shot and have a beer. And I'm talking to my buddy Dave Smith, and I just go. Nah, it's not sitting good with me, man. I go, you know, it's just like I go, it's just I just feel like there's no reaper. And then we find out the guy who's DJing in the room we were doing. There's a guy DJing already now in the room that we were doing our podcast in. Yeah, we found out a few things. We found out one, they didn't even record what we got because how great would that have been? Oh, shut up! So the recording wasn't even running, so we don't even have this on audio. That's the bummer. The guy who's DJing, uh, like the bass player from Three Days Grace. So the reason he came over to fuck with us because he was like, get out of here. My buddy's going to DJ. It's basically what he was doing. Really? Like trying to shut us down so we can get to the DJ quicker. But it was a time slot thing. You know what I yeah. mean? So now I'm just like, it's all not saying, I go, and this guy is just somewhere floating around this this boat, like whatever. Victorious. Threw wine in three guys' faces and he's standing around doing whatever he wants. He's a big guy. He's a big dude. Is he? Not like muscular big. He's like a tall fucking Ophi. It's like Kane from fucking, you know, WWE. Um, it's a little lost on me. Yeah. You never see Kane? I mean, he's been yeah. around for so many years in wrestling. Pro wrestling. Um, <laughs> I read the books. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Mesker used to say about porn. <laughs> Did you ever see a thousand and one cum shots? I mean, it wasn't as good as the book. But. <laughs> so, um. Just a big Ophi, but like big blocky dude. Yeah. Like really tall, like Ophish guy. I believe he's also wearing a kilt and a pirate hat. It's all bad. And mascara. But so I'm like, I'm just sitting <laughs> there. Just, by the way, this changes the story drastically in my, because <laughs> when I hear stories, I envision them. And now I'm like, oh, there's so much has been left out of this. No, no. So that really is like, I, th- I think, I, I don't want to guarantee he's wearing a kilt. I may have seen a picture of him wearing a kilt online. He may have been wearing just jeans. But anyway, he's Shaved head, big long beard, like that kind of dude. A lot of tats, and um, I'll show you a picture of him in a minute. But uh, he's a uh, so I was like, it's it's bugging me. It's fucking bugging me. This guy's just 
sitting pretty wherever he's at with his fucking probably got a dumb chick with him and and I'm wound up. I go, I mean, I don't, I'm going to go punch him. I go, I'm just going to go. I'm going to go attack him wherever he's at. If I find him, I'm going to attack him. Yeah. And I just go. Uh, I just walk off. I didn't say it. I'm just talking to Dave. I was not sitting with me good. And then I was just he's like, ah, buddy, what are you going to do? You know, fucking whatever. He's like, I don't know. I, I feel shitty too. I go. I just feel like a wimp. I feel like we just got fucking treated like fucking three queefs, and he just fucking went on his way. Yeah. And he's not even worried that we're on this boat. I go, and then I just did, I did my shot and drank, and I I just walked off. And I think I got about ten twenty yards away, probably before those guys were following me. Those guys were like, I don't know if they're going to stop me or what they're going to do. We're walking up, and I see this fucking dude. What's happening is chaos. Cause it's the last night, so everyone's in this room. Which I would have loved to be at. There's live band karaoke. I've already done the live band karaoke the night before. It's so fun. I wanted to do it the last night. Everyone, like, there's a bunch of rock stars on stage, and just like, you know, could have been us up there too, just like doing sing-alongs, like Paradise City. This is all happening. Everyone's having the bl- a blast, the big last night send-off. And I see this dude across the room, and I'm beelining for him. It's a lot of people, so I'm kind of weaving through. Just then, the guy who owns. Shiprock comes over, puts his arm around me, and and then Lewis and Dave Walker puts his arm around them too. He goes, "I love you guys, man." Because I heard about what happened, man. What a dick! Fuck that guy. He's never gonna be on this boat again. He's never gonna be. But and I'm almost just giving nods of like, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 dude. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, no, we did. We're adults. That's why we handle the way we. Handle. But I'm, I keep looking. I'm like, please don't walk off because I'm gonna fucking. I'm like, buddy. As soon as we finish this pleasantry conversation, I'm gonna go headbutt this guy. I'm gonna put his, try to put his nose to his brain like Apollo Creed. Yeah. And then the second in command of Ship Rock, a great dude too, comes over and puts his arm around us. He goes, hey, guys, guys. He goes, I just talked to him. He really wants to apologize. He's drunk. He really thinks he fucking did a stupid thing. He feels awful about it. And he really wants to apologize. <laughs> he goes, I shouldn't be laughing yet. <laughs> but it, is, it, really, it, it never doesn't strike me again. It's like I go right back there every time. Yeah. He wants to apologize to you. And... I mean, my heart's pumping because in my mind, I really am like, okay, get get yourself ready for this. Like, you're going to be in a physical thing. You might yeah. lose, you might win, but we're going in for it, full tilt. Um, and and, and now you're in that weird stasis where your heart's like, you're like pumping, you're like, all you, there's helium in your muscles. Yeah, and you're just kind of like, like what? All right, are we? Come on, do we let this guy apologize? Okay, I go. If this guy's going to humbly apologize to us right now, if he feels like he did something really stupid and wrong, I'll listen to it. Sure, okay. I'll take that. And I mean it. I come and, and then Lewis, them guys even go to me. He goes, are you just going to? I go, dude, if he's going to apologize, let's just do it. Yeah. I'll take that. But he's got to really, it's like, if he feels like an asshole for what he did, like, I'll t- we're all adults. Yeah. I'm a fucking adult. Yes. I'll calm down and I'll listen to his apology. So he walks us over to him, this guy. And already, this guy just has like a very unpleasant face. His like idle face is very like, you know, like, get that kind of like that, huh? Like, that's his face he always seems to have. Like, the what? Uh, and and it's loud. Everyone's singing, you know. So he goes over and he whispers in the guy's ear. And the guy almost seems confused that he's walked up to him. Barry Stock's kind of like, he's like, what? And he leans in for like a whisper with a very like, what, what? And I guess he's saying like, you know, I don't know what he says to him. But to my knowledge, he said he's already spoke to him. This guy really wants to humbly apologize. But so he's got that face on. But then he he, he shakes his head yes or nods yes. And uh, kind of points to us. And the guy, and he's like, back here. You know, we go in this quiet back area. Now, because we start walking back there, all security walks with us, too. 
because they think they're getting ready to stop a fight, I guess, or whatever. But, yeah. but even the Shiprock guys go like, no, 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 guys, everything's fine. But they go anyway. They come with us. Yeah. I'm sorry. This is, is no, no, no. Okay. This is no. Th- by the way, I wish I advertised because I'd plug it in right now. I've never wanted to know more what's about <laughs> to happen in a story in my life. It's fucking. It's it's pretty great. So he, uh, we get in this back room, right? And the guy goes. So, yeah, so uh, they said they wanted to do the handshake thing. So, yeah, whatever. I'll do the handshake thing. And then I go, no, 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 dude. No handshake thing. Like, we were told you wanted to come back because you really wanted to apologize to us. And he goes, fuck you faggots with your yapping bullshit. And then Lewis is right in the square in his face again. And security's all between us again. And we're like... Why would you do this to us? Like, <laughs> just let us be angry or do something. It's like, why did this roller coaster? Like, I thought I was going to have a fucking stroke, dude. I'm, I'm pumped to fight, and then I'm like, I'm an idiot. Why am I trying to fight a guy? He's drunk. He's going to apologize. Like, fuck you, jerk off. <laughs> and we just go on each other's face again, and it's just so crazy. And security did nothing. Like, it just, the story of, he just won. <laughs> like, this guy in every phase just won. And then you're like, you know what? We're going to get him on the back end here. Twitter. Prepare because Twitter's about to uncork on you, buddy. And like he has like five followers on Twitter, oh, no he activity. Even, he doesn't even have a Twitter. He doesn't even have a Twitter. So he has no idea how much we hate this guy. Like he just gets away from it so scot free. How the fuck? His story in his life, he goes, Twice, two times, I've made three guys look like queers on that boat. <laughs> how the fuck does someone get like. It's like Frogger, dude. It's like, uh, not Frogger. It's like, what was uh, the show? Mr. Magoo. Yeah, this guy just, just drunkenly walked through three guys who will fight. Yeah, Lewis would fucking kill him. We will, all of us have been in adult fights. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, stupid. I mean, I don't look back on them like, I'm a bad, I look at them like, what an idiot. I shouldn't have done that or whatever. Or I was in some dumb shit that I shouldn't have been involved in. But like, if the push comes to shove in that kind of aggressive situation, like these guys, these three people who will fight, it's so weird. And we, just, he just completely like the you know the safe fell behind him. Someone dropped a piano next to him, like all of it. He did, and he just confidently the whole no time one was recorded like, him throwing fuck line all on you, guys. you pieces of shit. Yeah, fuck all you pieces of shit. And we're just like, oh, <laughs> like, god damn it. So then that was it. It was over. <laughs> yeah, like nothing bad happened to him. Pretty sure he's still in three days grace. What, the I'm ultimate capper see- would be if three days grace is on Shiprock next year and we're not. He's like, sorry, guys. Barry asked if we leave you guys off this year. <laughs> I'll show you a picture. Yeah. Oh, he's such a dildo-y looking dude, too. Oh, this guy is such a clam. I don't have any good uh, retrib- uh, retribution stories. You don't have any good ones. No, like I don't like. I always, I've never exacted revenge I've ever never, in my I've life. I've never been able to. Like, I don't really remember any fights per se. I do remember waking up feeling like an asshole because I've acted inappropriate. Yeah, you're like, like. Are you? Were you a person? Do you have a? When you get like hammered, hammered. Are you like turned into a different person? Thing. No, I'm. A, I'm a better version of me. Yeah, I've never. I've never fucking. Uh, People use that excuse a lot. Yeah, what um, am I going to do? I'm ha- I go, I've never been hammered and just done something like disgustingly out of character. Do you know what uh, I mean? Like, I, there are people I get around where I turn into a worse version of myself, like, uh, like a more argumentative. But it is always people who know me very well and prod my ego in unhealthy ways. Yeah, this is, is I mean, him? yeah, he's just a fucking, he's like a dildo guy. <laughs> Oh, are you fucking serious? Yeah, he's a fucking real hand job. And his name's Barry. Barry Stock? 
Yeah, there's no way to get a hold of him. <laughs> so I want to jerk off. I don't even this. know anything about Three Days Grace. And there was another one. You know, by the way, isn't it hilarious? Like, by all, I think technically a uh, religious band, like religious-based band. Like, uh, oh, really? Yeah, and it's like it seems like all those bands end up having like the biggest dildo like members. Like well, yeah, fucking, uh, it, what was the like... uh, Creed? I heard that guy was like an intolerable dude to deal with. Um, you know, I was uh, you know I was in a band in college, kicked out the guitarist, and he formed the band Creed. No. Oh yeah. True story, really? Yeah, and and I like I I've I've been mocking, jokingly, uh, mad at him. I'm really not. Sure. I really don't give a fuck. I actually genuinely don't give a fuck. And I'd say this, I'd have him on my podcast in a heartbeat. But he has absolutely no idea who I am. He doesn't remember you. I gave him his nickname in our fraternity. <laughs> I was arguably. I'm not even joking. I was arguably one of the ten most famous people to graduate the year he graduated Florida State. Arguably. <laughs> I would say arguably, meaning that Warwick Dunn was definitely more famous than <laughs> I was. Peter Warwick. I mean, there were there were some big names, but I was in Rolling Stone magazine. Name, if you went to Florida State, you heard about that article yeah. somehow, and you heard about that kid. Now, if you knew that kid and played in a fucking band with that kid, I was in a band with him. We played, we played in John Dacre's garage. What would you play? I was a front man. For, yeah, so. that's, we, that's what we all wish we were. Dude, I was I would lose my voice after two songs, and then they just play, and I just drink beer with Brent Bracken, who try tried desperately to play the guitar. The intro music to my podcast that 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 thing yeah. here that's John Dacre. There was a guitarist; he wrote it for me. I called him up, and I was like, "Hey, I need something for my podcast." Actually, that also the intro music to my hour special. I called up Dacre, and I was like, "Hey, I need music," and he just made it for me real quick. He was like, "What do you oh, want so it to sound cool. like?" I was like, I want it to sound like uh, like like something fucking that we would have played, and he just wrote it. Do you uh, are you bummed you never did like music on any kind of big scale? Yeah, a little Man. bit. It is nothing like, and I love doing comedy, and I do. I, I really, I, I enjoy the feeling of it. And when I get off stage, I have that feeling of like rock star, if it, as close as you can get. You know, if you kill it yeah. in the right scenario. And I'm, I couldn't imagine the feeling of like I've gotten the taste. Like I've opened for Jim Jeffries at Carnegie Hall. It was amazing. It went so good because I think when you open at Carnegie Hall, they really throw you to the fucking. They're like people are going to be walking in during your set. But by the time I was done, man, pin drop. Everyone really? sat and they were listening. I was doing crowd work. It was it was so great. But even when I got off and, and you know I had to run to I had a spot after that I had to run to. And it was funny, like, uh, my chick and my buddy were even kind of like, dude, you just at Carnegie Hall. I go, yeah, but did you hear when Jeffries walked out on stage? Like, Carnegie Hall exploded for him. They were there. It sold out for him. Know he'd done, I didn't even know he'd done. He did it for the New York Comedy Festival last year. Good God. And I mean, but I'm saying, like, that's a feeling that's, that's very rock starry. But I'm saying, I still felt the feeling of, like, killing in an, in an environment like that. But um, I always assume Jim Jeffries go and I are famous or similar people because we both have similar lifestyles mm-hmm. and similar um, like interests. But clearly, he is the he must be the kind of guy that wakes up and starts working at six in the morning because I know my lifestyle and it doesn't beget Carnegie Hall. <laughs> You'd be surprised though, man. I mean, you have a, you have fucking quite a following, dude. I mean, like, keep going. So <laughs> what? Wait, so keep going. So Carnegie Hall, you do the rock star thing. Yeah, but, but I'm saying there's nothing like standing side stage and watching, like, uh, Jonathan Davis, like, lead singer from... Watching him, like, walk out and just how the people react and just, like, you're like, I won't know that. And, and, and I think the beauty is, and I've said this before on, like, radio stuff, but I think I pinpoint why 
like rock stars like do kind of dig comics and why that is like you know that relationship kind of goes back and forth is because they want so much to feel like that one part in fact my buddy who was in a band until he started doing comedy now he was talking about how great it felt when he did really well and killed it yeah. just you know small little comedy club setting that wasn't full at all because it felt so great I'm like yeah because it's not like it's like it was you Every, you in that moment you got the best reaction possible. They laughed at the thing you said to make them laugh. Like when you play music, when music stops, people arbitrarily clap. It's the best you could really get. Yeah. You know, it's the worst you'll get is people like applauding what you just did. But there's so much crutch. But what comics want to see is to be a good comic, I think, genuinely is like you're stripped down. At least to get the respect of other comics and to be kind of like what most people's vision of good comic is. Just to strip away all the bullshit, no posturing. You you essentially laugh at that. You laugh at people that wag dick, and you kind of make fun of the bully, and you kind of make fun of the person who puts himself on a pedestal and jerks himself off publicly so much. But then, as a rock star, there's a part of us though that wants to like, dude, I want to put my foot up on a monitor and like just pose and like stare at the front row and do dance bizarrely. I I mean, Marilyn Manson, uh, he was my favorite, dude. And I'd watch and and I'd take people to shows. DeRosa took DeRosa to a Marilyn Manson concert. Didn't want to go. Was like not interested. And when he'd done, he was like, wow, because. You know, he comes out on a cross of TVs and the stupid outfit he's wearing and the way he stands on stage and just waits. I mean, Korn, I saw them the last time I went to go hang out with them. I wasn't doing the stuff with them, but I went to go see them when they were, like, near New York. And they do a thing on their show now where it's like, now all of them, the, the, the original, guitarist, so, original guitarist is back. So with the exception that, of the is that, drummer, uh, is that Head, what, Brian Welch. Yeah, yeah where he kind of he kind of went off on his own for a little bit. Yeah, right? and now he's back. So now the, the drummer is amazing. That's who I'm closest with is their new drummer. The fucking guy that's yoked? Ray Luzier is... Is that, uh, is that the guy that I'm thinking no, of? No, 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 no. Their original drummer who you're thinking of. Yeah. He, uh, he left. He just left the band one day. They've had Ray now for a couple years and a few albums. And he's an amazing drum, really amazing drum. He's actually one of the guys who started metal school, which became Steel Panther. Really? Yeah, he's one of the original guys. Ray Luzier. He toured with David Lee Roth. He was like a studio guy and a touring guy, and now he's in Corn. Really high talented guy. So he's got this crazy huge kit. But in the middle of Corn's set, they're just playing like you know, just kind of almost sounds like xylophone twinkly music, and they just stop, and it's just like you know, a low hum of like the guitar amps. And they backlight the whole stage, and all of them have long dreads now. So they just stand there, kind of like rag dolls, but just they're all making sure their hair is like hanging, and they're all got their heads tilted. And yeah, it's just like, hey, everyone, take a picture of this. And it is. I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. That's such a cool moment. But that's it is the direct opposite of comedy. Yeah, comedy. You laugh at that. You go, all right, jerk off. What are you fucking like? Like your holy figures and stuff. But you also want to do it. You're like, oh man, I want to go. I want to have a poster of me. Is it the debate you go through when you're taking headshots? It's like I want to find something between like you know, peeking out of the middle of a trench coat and and, and you know and then all and, and but in between that also like you know making like a, a stern, angry, like badass face, giving like metal horns. Like well, I've that, taken such bad headshots because I'm like I don't know. I don't want to look too cool, but I also don't want to look like goofy. Like <laughs> look at me. Well, it's interesting because you know. A- there's pictures of me with sledgehammers and all kinds of shit where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Well, that Dane and, and Carlos were, were when, when I first was like kind of out in L.A. for the first time, all their shit was like this, like, like it was the, like, this, like, it was this rock star mentality of like, they looked good, like, Dane has like the Sufi into his eye. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I remember seeing that and I could not replicate it. And I didn't know what I was supposed to do 
Like I didn't know I didn't I was like there's no home in this business for me because I'm not a rock star. Yeah, I'm the opposite. I'm the guy that creates a band and then the guy leaves and creates one of the biggest bands arguably of the '90s. Well, it's a, the yeah. 2000s. <laughs> it's a, and the thing is, it's also like uh, it's also we, and me and Rogan did talk about this briefly yesterday, but that is the difference almost between like uh, like Dane Cook had elements of like black comedy in that because black comedy is dick waving. It is all about how you beat that pussy up and you know yeah. You know, all the jokes are always like, you know, how muscular you are or however, you know, yeah. like, and they, really a lot of like dick wagging humor and it worked in that regard. And you, that's why, you know, a lot of black circuit comics headshots are very like smooth, like, you know, they're, they're pointing at the thing and they're not being ironic. It's very like, hey, girl, yeah. get over up and, and it works for them. And their names are like blah, 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 smooth. I mean, there's 50,000 smooths in comedy. I could never imagine Dan Natterman doing that headshot. No, that's the thing, and that's the other thing. Is like Natterman's thing will be much, be much more like you know, looks like a fucking Sears portrait photo. So there's got to be some kind of in between. I don't even know what it is. I always think Jeselnik's headshots look too much like you know, it was he's gonna like <laughs> touch you and grab and go, your house is on fire. It's not too late. <laughs> like, Wait, what? Jeselnik's headshots like he can, like touch you and tell your future. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen his headshots. It's always, always just very serious, and he's yeah. a good-looking dude, and it's like you know, he's got like the the pompadour hair, and it's like it, 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 it's. It's just shy of being a modeling shot. That's not his fault, but what else could he do? Like, it'd also be weird if you saw Jeselnik, you know, some jokey picture where it's like a fat lady holding him like a baby. Like, they're all, yeah. like, ridiculous. Like, what do you do? <laughs> is I've that never Mitch Patel's picture? Stuff like that, yeah. <laughs> but I've never, uh, the reality is I've never, uh, I let him pull from the internet, and it's probably a bad idea, but I've never really taken headshots, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I take them. And I just put them like on my Facebook, and if people pull them to use them as headshots, I guess they use them. But I mean, I don't know. It's just weird. I've tried, and the cool ones never work, man. I no. always look lame, and they use them. And when I use them, and I walk by them, dude, I'm embarrassed. I go, oh, yeah. to, I go to clubs, and they got me with like my hoodie hood up and like crossing my arms. Do so you see my tattoos? Yeah, specifically certain tattoos. And you're just like, they always take one where I got a cigarette hanging in my mouth, and I'm touching my fist together, showing like my star tattoos, and it's just all these <laughs> things. Like, and by the way, these are all to my defense. I should have spoken up, but these are all like the visions of the stupid photographer. Not stupid; they're good photographers. But like, yeah. it's the vision of them to make me look cool. But when I'm done, it's me. It's my silliness that 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 sees that and goes, "That ain't me." But at the same time, I can't do a headshot of me like you know with my shirt off on the beach, laughing at I have you know a fat guy with a tan. I'd fucking I'd pay money to see you shirtless on the beach. <laughs> What's well, good on Motorhead's cruise? <laughs> <laughs> what uh what? Wait, hold on. I want to go back to what uh, what's Jonathan Davis like? Really cool, man. Our our bond came and I was smoking cigarettes still on that tour, and he would come bum cigarettes from me, man. We had one of the coolest moments Why of my life. Why did he get life. HIV tattooed on his arm? Because um, everyone he said when he was young, I asked him. He was so cool. One of the random stories I asked him. He says when he was uh, uh, in school, everyone would tease him. They'd call him faggot. Like he would get called faggot a lot. Yeah. Was, he said that seemed to be the insult that would get hurled at him a lot. And uh, so he got it. So people would leave him. He said like, he just got HIV like, on his arm. So I did on his arm. Yeah. He says, why well, did it? Just kind of be like, fuck you. Like, I just kind of just own it. You know yeah. what I mean? God and, damn uh, it. He's a fascinating guy. I read the, do- I read the uh, biography of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A, like someone did an bio- unauthorized biography of them. Yeah, yeah. And I fucking read the whole thing. I was obsessed with Corn for a very long time. Um, You know what's funny? And you, you, can, you can lose sight of them. They're a band you can lose sight of at points because like they... Uh, they also ushered in a thing very much. They were uh, uh, so much like posturing. It became like, is this just about that they all have dreads? And like, but they were like a, 
I mean, those guys, Monkey was the first one who, like, introduced himself to me super nice. The bass player was never that nice to me. He was always kind of like whatever. The yeah. drummer and me, I'd say, or I'd describe as friends, you know what I mean? And Jonathan Davis, like, uh, we have back and forth, like, once in a while. Like, But he changes his number, and I don't have, but then I go see them. He always gives me his new number, and, like, you know, he's always, like, he, it's not like he doesn't, like, go, like, he goes, um, oh, yeah, Jay. Like, when does, he he drink, me, does he drink beers? Nothing. Nothing. They're stone sober on the top. The whole, I was the like, whole yeah, thing. Yeah, all of them. Uh, the drummer drinks like red wine. That's fine. Actually, uh, and, and Monkey, I believe, would be back and forth on whether he was like drinking or not. But he didn't seem to have like a major problem. Yeah, just was like I think it's just, like some. I think it's easier to wrangle him if he's not drinking. I think is what the idea is. <laughs> but what a fucking type and and just an innovative sound like I've never seen before. Oh, like, I'm just like just like when they get up there and do it, you're like, oh yeah, it's like there's something to be said for if you heard it like. A song you've never heard before on the radio, but you can guess it's corn. You know, it's like that's that's an amazing thing to have. Oh yeah, you're like oh, this is probably is this a corn song? Listen to the way it sounds. Like it's, it sounds like them, and and they even did like the stuff with the Skrillex and shit. I think is pretty good. Like the, everything they do, I gotta is get like, back. I'm gonna download a bunch of corn and work. It's a, one of my favorite. Uh, they're uh, they're they're, they're really too. really amazing. Yeah, but he uh, but uh, just the the, mo- the the pinnacle moment for me was for one, it was the. Fourth show of the tour, I think, or maybe sixth show, something like that, early in it, of 30 dates. Early in the tour, I was like, I hope I'm doing a good job here. But we were at this venue in Minneapolis called First Avenue. Prince owns it. Yeah. And it's small, really small venue. And it was a good one for the, So small that the, the green dressing rooms are next to the stage. Like, really, really close to it. And it's a small stage, you know? It's like... A, and I was up there. It was a. It's a good room. It's two levels, but small. Just really on top of you. It's per, it's the club in Purple Rain. If you remember okay, the club yeah, they were yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everyone's kind of right on top of you, and it was just a great room for comedy in that regard because they were focused on the stage, you know. And uh, and I just was hitting it. That was a good show that was working out well. And I was and I looked over at one point and I saw them like the three Stooges, like the drummer, the guitar player. Uh, you know, so Ray, Monkey, and Jonathan Davis were all watching, and I'm watching them like laugh, like you know, when I'm hitting punchlines. They're like, they're like, you know, like laughing genuinely, and I was like, oh wow, like this is like wow, I've never had that before. Like someone, with the exception of a tell, yeah. Like I'm such a music guy, I love music, man, like, and all kinds of it, and to have a band that like I had posters of, yeah laughing at my shit was like such an amazing thing for me and and he just after that day he was like super super nice to me and one night i wish i remember i think i think we were in a in in kansas city it was like three in the morning and everyone kind of like bailed it was kind of quiet out there and and uh all the buses were still in the parking lot of the venue it was like a small theater again that we did chaotic night but i didn't see him all night <clears throat> and I was smoking a cigarette. He comes out and he bummed a cigarette from me. And I was like, "Where have you been all night? Like, you seem to vanish." He's like, "I've been working on just like music stuff all night." He goes, "I can't like put it down when I start it." And I was like, "Oh yeah." He goes, "He goes, oh yeah." He goes, well, "Yeah, we're trying to do some things with like we're incorporating like before the album came out of like all the electronic stuff." He goes, "I'm trying to get some of the electronic elements and writing some stuff." He goes, "It's pretty cool." And like, he goes, "You want to hear it?" I go, "Yeah." But so we go into his bus, oh, fuck, <clears throat> and he's got like a studio set up. With these bumping speakers, and it's late, man, and there's people on his bus, you know, sleeping and shit. But he turns it on pretty loud, and he gives me a Gatorade. I remember like a miniature Gatorade. I always remember the uh, specifics of this moment. Little details, yeah, fucking make a story for me. Yeah, I'm drinking a little baby Gatorade that he that he handed me, and then he and then he's playing it for me, and he's like sitting, but he's like he's shaking his the dreads are flying around, and he's like a. 
and he's mouthing the words of the part, and it's like you know, it's, it's an incomplete song, but it's awesome. And I don't know what my face was, but when it stops, he stops. And he goes, "So it's like that's pretty much the uh, idea of it." He goes, "But you know, it'll tweak and change as I move along." I go, "I go, wow, man!" And he goes, "You didn't like it, huh?" Like right away, I go. No, I thought that was really cool, man. Like, I was, yeah, what sounds bad that loud? I was like, pump ass. That was great. He goes, oh, he goes, your face just looks like you didn't like it. I go, oh, no. I go, you know what, dude? I'm just going to be completely honest with you. I go, I'm not a weirdo, and I'll never be a weirdo with you. I go, I've just, you know, I've paid $100 a ticket to see you before, and now we're, like, kicking it on your bus late at night, and you're showing me your new music. I go, it's just like, I'm taking it in. It's a little surreal. I go, but I'll never make it, like, weird for you at all. Yeah. Like, I go, I'm a guy who's normal. I don't bother <laughs> you. I go, but he was like, and he laughed, and he thought that was kind of funny. But, like, I said right after that, I did Mayhem Fest, and I remember one of the coolest moments. And I, I don't want to paint a picture like me and him are tight by any stretch, but no, I mean, you're like. You're tighter I, than me and him are. Sure. And it's like, and, and, and he came up to me. He, he, he would ride around on Segways. He had Segway that he, that he brought on the tour with him. He was running around. I remember I was sitting smoking a cigarette on a bench on Mayhem Fest, which is like a much bigger tour, much grander scale. Yeah. I didn't even see those guys as much as I did on the small venue. We're there every day. We're the only buses there, you know? <clears throat> and he pulls up me on a Segway, and he was like, uh, he's like, man, Jay, every time I see you, you're always alone. He goes, why are you always so alone? And I was like, well, I'm alone. I mean, it's like comedy, man. I don't like have a tour manager. Or anything. They just sent, put me on a production bus, and... They fire me out there to go yell shit at the audience three times a day. I go, I am alone. He goes, ah, you're with us, man. He goes, you're part of the corn camp. And whatever, you know, it's like, it doesn't mean anything in the world. Yeah. But I just thought it was cool that they were embracing of me and stuff like that. That's fucking awesome. And I, it's such a cool thing. And, and, and I can never say enough about the band Two Cents, who are now, like, I guess on hiatus, you'd call it. But Adam, the guy you met last night, man, yeah. that was a cool. Because on, on that first corn tour, before Jonathan Davis or the guys in corn became any kind of tight with me or, or at least like even where I can like interact with them. Yeah. Again, being very alone, man, those guys loved that there was a comedian on tour. They loved having me and every night they were, they had the party bus. They were the young, like let's do Coke and drink guys. Yeah. Corn was all sober. So their bus was a fucking shit show of just fun, debaucherous, oh. you know, backstage rock concert shit, you know, chicks and drugs and, and I don't even do, I don't do Coke or nothing like that, but it was, just, yeah. it was like being, you're still like, I kind of wanted to be on the bus where it was happening. You know yeah. what I mean? I just hanging out with those guys and getting that fucking experience. But those guys would, and they were like so behind me, and they loved having. And those guys took me in, like even like on days off, where I'd be like, I guess I'm just gonna sit and play Madden in the bus, like because I was on the production bus. The production guys would go off so, and do yoga and whatever else, and I'd be like, and they and they'd bang on the bus door and they'd be like, we're going to the Mall of America, man, or we're gonna go, we're gonna go see the. Fucking, you know, uh, what's it, Mount uh, Mount Rushmore, you yeah. know, and I'm like, all right, and I just, I roll, and those guys really, and the first time I came out to L.A. after that, man, they're like, you're staying at our place, and I, and, and those guys have reached out to me, and they're such good dudes, man, yeah, Two Cents, they were a local Malibu band that were just fucking great, really, really, really fun, that's why I said, I think the guy, Adam, Adam O'Rourke, I believe he could do stand-up comedy, because, uh, and I'm sure it's definitely because I'm on a personal thing with them, but on that Mayhem Fest, they have a lot of bands at that level, like the smaller level bands on those small stages. Yeah. There's something about an energy, man, of a band. And they had like a, first of all, a metal band on several of the songs, Adam would sing and play drums. And metal, that's pretty fucking insane. To watch that was like, it builds fucking anxiety. But it wasn't, now he's in great cardiovascular shape. But no, at the time, he would finish that show and go like fucking, you know, do lines off the drummer's dick because it was the funniest thing to do. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, 
These guys were not in good shape at all. <laughs> but what fucking performers, man. There's a good energy to them. That, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm bummed that they're not actually like a, a, a touring band anymore. What's going on? They just they just split up? or Just it didn't, you know. Music, man. Music seems as daunting to me. Actually, a little less. To me, the most daunting thing is if someone just goes flat out, I'm an actor. <laughs> like, oh, if, you're, if you're an actor, you're like... Man, that's got to be... It makes me... It it subsides some of my anxiety about comedy. Because I can even go... It's like, man, I would describe myself currently as, like, to some degree, like... A failure is the wrong word. Because I don't want to sound self-loathing or, like, you know, woe is me. But I'm not famous. And I don't have... You know, like I panicked when I bought a PlayStation 4. Do you know what I mean? Where I'm like... <laughs> like, all right, I'm going to spend, like, $700 between the game and controllers. Like... All right, like you know, I got to give my ex five hundred dollars a week. I'm paying a New York, you know, half of a New York rent with my chick. It's like, you know, I still got to think about those decisions. You yeah. know what I mean? Is I've been doing it for a long time, so I'm not a failure, but I'm still there. Do you know what I mean? It's oh, like, yeah. but and, and all that said, though, more people are aware of me than what my bank account reflects. Does that make sense? I, no, yeah, I know what you're saying. Like, I have fans. When and you just know said I that, I was like, I was like, shut up. In my head, I'm like, I would imagine you're, I would imagine you're making the same money as, like, Joey, Ari, like... Oh, Ari's, Ari's killing it way over me. Yeah, without a doubt. But I'm getting there, and I think I will. And the thing is, like, look, and you know this, too, uh, difficulty of this and you got some I never got like deals or anything at all I know you came out here when the FX thing first happened I thought that was so great you guys yeah. were the FX squad you know I remember that thing you, you first did I thought that was so neat but like you know I was just coming out of doing the Black Circuit comedy just getting into the clubs and my chick got pregnant and so I never did the like oh, I'm gonna go to LA for pilot season I'm gonna do whatever and things just kind of came and went I'd get to festivals and I'd pop out to LA and do some meetings but I did Montreal the first time, like a lot of people do, too early. I don't know what I was supposed to do with that. If you'd have handed me, like, here's a sitcom deal, I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. Like, yeah. Sitcom? Like, my mind until not too long ago was almost just kind of like, I don't know, man, I'm just going to tell dick jokes. And, like, won't they eventually just pay me more to do this? Like, what do I. I think they will. Why do I have to create ideas for TV shows? Like, I didn't want to be a sitcom actor. I didn't want to be a movie I, star. So I, I, funny I, you those aren't my dreams. Like, my dreams were to, like, Travel first class so I can be comfortable on the bike. I hate flying, yeah. but I want to fly comfortably and go do live shows and go perform for audiences. And I don't even think I want to be in Madison's. When I see Kev do Madison Square Garden, I go, that doesn't look... It looks like the reverence is fun, but the comedy man's like, no, I want to shit on the guy and fuck with the guy in the front row so that the guy in the last row can still be as much as, like, you know, stretching his neck to seeing him. Be like, oh, yeah, this, this guy's with a hot chick, it looks like. You know, whatever. Yeah, they were, uh, they were talking... Renazizi was talking last night in the in the green room about uh, Aziz Ansari's doing two shows at Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that makes sense. Because, I, you know, he seems like someone who's got that as a goal. Like, that's not one of my goals. I have no interest in doing Madison Square Garden. I yeah, I, 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 like I, I'm, I guess I'm cool with theaters. I just have sure. never done them. I just don't. I don't enjoy them technically. Me either. I never enjoy it. it's the crowds in the dark, man. Like yeah, and I'm talking to a black show. wall. There's no interaction. It's there's no creativity for me because my creativity, uh, my my what I enjoy about stand up, and I'll, I'll start. I'll take this back two steps and say when I moved to New York, I had no fucking concept 
that you could use stand up and then get in a sitcom. Me, me either. Dimitri Martin was the first. It never seemed like it never seemed like the like the one fed into the other. You're like that's two worlds. I w- I'm gonna become a stand up. Dimitri had it so fucking wired with like what, who got what, how they got that, and then. And I'm not shitting on him if you think I'm trying to say like Dimitri's was deal oriented when he got out here, but he definitely knew how much Judah was making for a Snickers commercial, how much Jim Gaffigan was making, sure. uh, what, a, what a development deal was, who Greg Giraldo was based on his development deal, how Bill Burrs had gone awry. Like He knew all the information. I remember hearing all that going, all I remember hearing is Judah got $125,000 for a Snickers commercial, and I remember going, if I got a Snickers commercial, I can make that money? I mean, but even to this day, like those kind of numbers like sound so... Like, it, I, I mean, like... Dude, if I got like a, a, an hour special where there was like your the revenue you're gonna make from this is gonna be like in the upwards of like eighty grand, I'd be like, thank you, man. Like it's unbelievable yeah. that, that my kind of money's coming my direction. I've never, I've never in my life ever uh, had a check. I've never been paid more than than in one shot ever than my half hour special, which netted out to about nine grand. Yeah, I've never had a five figure check in my life. Ever. And that's fine. And the thing is, like, when it comes, it'll come. And I do believe it'll come. I do believe I will find it. I think it'll come. I think I, it'll I, definitely come. Here's the thing. You're the, same, uh, you're the same as me in that I don't have the aspir- – I, I, I want to do good stand-up for me. I want to be in the – have you ever done the, done the punchline in Atlanta? Just did it, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite rooms in the country only because I can see everyone and I can interact with everyone and yep. I know whatever, how, where everyone's at. So I, I get really creative on that stage. I have a really fun time on that stage. And that's what I'm looking for. I never I don't need I don't need to do Carnegie Hall. It would be nice to have the to for it would be nice to do what Jeffries did and be acknowledged by my peers so that they're like, You should be doing this and that that's it. That's but only the value of Carnegie Hall to me is exactly said, walking out and walking off. It's that like where I got goosebumps. Is when the voice of God guy was like, "Are you ready, everybody?" Carnegie Hall. He goes, "Let me clap it up for Jim Jeffrey." And when I watched him, you know, he, he you know tightens up his tight leather shirt, yeah, and or jacket, you know, and opens that fucking stage door to. And I mean, you just felt an energy. You're like, "Wow, man!" People so excited to see him. It's amazing. And I still it's like fucking crazy. And, and, and it, again, because I. My fear in meeting audiences still right now is I feel like I don't show that I'm gracious enough. I feel like I sound like a robot. It's, so, it's such a weird give and take. I probably look like a dick sometimes because my fear is I'm going to look like a dick. I feel like I sound like a robot when I say thank you to everybody, but I'm so genuine. It means so much to me when people – I favorite almost every tweet that people tweet at me. I just go and arbitrarily I click favorite – Unless they're shitting on me, which but it's rare. I don't have to be people shitting on me. Like yeah. all the great job on this podcast or love deal on whatever. I just fair because I do mean that. I'm just kind of like it's amazing if someone's taking the time to comment on me. Yeah, to me still, I I have a very uh, a naive innocence in this business still that I wish I would have gotten over. But I think a lot of that was just like I, I don't mean cockiness in this at all because it, obviously again I, I'm I'm pretty humble in how I'm saying where my life financially especially is but like comedy and I bet I know you and I could tell the comics who I could say this to and know what I'm talking about I don't think comedy's hard man is that, is, that a stu- is that a weird way to put it no it's not the reason I stayed doing it for 15 years I'm not a fu- I'm a quitter dude I'm a path of least resistance guy yeah oh this is getting hard and weird I don't want to <laughs> what I don't want to do this yeah. comedy is fun and I find it to be extraordinarily being funny is not hard for me 
Yeah. I don't think it's hard to do. I'm not saying that writing great jokes is easy. It's not. I don't even know how great I am. Why I've always revered Kurt is like, oh, wow, man, what a great mind. Dude, that guy just goes, I'm going to write the best joke ever about the black mama snake's mating habits. And I'm like, I can't even think of something like yeah. that. Yeah. I'm like, uh. But while me and Kurt work well together, Kurt calls me, he goes, so here's my black mama snake joke. And at the end I go, Dude, and if the guy fucking does this, 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 he goes, can I use that? Like, sure, dude. I'm never going to do a joke about yeah. the black mama snakes. <laughs> I have a ball. Like, and I love that Kurt is such a writer's mentality that he takes it. Yeah. My, comedy, I find it very easy. And my least favorite thing is like, dude, you should say at the end that the guy goes, I go, don't say it out loud, please. Because now I'll never get to it because you said it. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's my thought anymore and it bothers me. Oh, I'm, I'm that way. To the T. Don't lead. If, don't even lead me to it because I go. Then it's your thought, and saying it makes me feel gross. Yup, yup. Daniel Tosh gave me the best fucking joke one time, and it was such a good joke. And it was he's like, I think you should use it. I had this great joke about wanting to date a black chick and what I thought it would be like. And it was not even a joke. It was a it was a stream of conscious rant of what I believed, what I was looking for, and what I wanted. And it was just. It was just basically painting out every black movie I've ever seen right. and with ending up with me on the hood of a car and <laughs> and just and it was great it was but it was fun but there's no intro to it i had to I had to build so much that I never um that that sometimes it wouldn't work and Tosh was like, you know what you need to say is you need a joke at the beginning of that and he's like, I got this joke that i I've tried a couple times and it just doesn't work for me, but you can have it. And he told me the joke, and it was such a good fucking joke, and I can't, I, I've never been able to bring myself to say it. No, so I, I, go, I didn't write it. It's, it's, it. So, what's, is that kind of like, but that kind of led to me having no business savvy in this thing at all because it was easy. It's like I didn't have to have necessarily a work ethic other than like, people are, I still, I do seven spots a night on weekends in the city, in New York. <laughs> yeah. Because I have to go, for one, it makes money. You know what I mean? It's like, I do need it for the money, actually. But it's like, uh, in my mind, I'm like, I can make $1,000 in town at home. Just go and I just, I, I pull up. I run in. Look at this jerk off in the front row. Is this your wife? <laughs> you know, blah, 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 this and that. And this is your family. Oh, you brought your kids. Why would you blah, 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 yeah. blah. All right, we'll see you guys later. And I just zip to the next Cha-ching! one and just go to the next one. But it's fun and it's easy. It's not hard. Yeah. So, But if maybe if it was harder, I would have gotten more business savvy. So I didn't because the funny thing is, and I'll tell you, this will make you laugh. Um, Me and Dan Soder. You know Dan yeah, Soder? Yeah, Dan Soder. Monster so, voice. Yeah, so Dan's great. And me and him just have a very good rapport with each other, man. Me and him have a good rhythm. And for the longest time, we go on that Ron and Fez show, and, and Ron and Fez, like, people love us as guests, and they're always like, you know, they're always even saying, like, you, one of you guys should be the third microphone on that show or whatever, and, and, and it's always, and me and him just started some recording some shit on our own at his house, just on, you know, on an uh, uh, HN1 or whatever, and, and, and we just record it, and we piece together, like, a nine-minute thing of, like, from, like, the ten hours we did of just, like, some shit that made us re-laugh, and we listened to it again, and... Sent to Sirius, and now we got this deal, and we did six shows on Comedy Central. And now we're going to go into negotiations to try to get this to become a daily show where me and him do this thing. And it's going to be a big deal, I think, to some degree. You know what I mean? Like, to some degree, I don't know out of the gates what it's going to be, but I'm saying a big deal in my mind. This thing has legs to be like Howard Stern, 60 years old. Yeah. Opie and Anthony shows defunct at this point. So now it's like Opie and Jim. I don't know where that's going to go. But the temperature right now of funny talk radio is like there's there's kind of an opening for something to pop up and Ron yeah. and Fez are 
the best. I love him. Ron, ben, Ron Bennington yeah. is, is, I think, one of the quickest, witted, most talented human beings I've ever met. As, as far as doing radio, I mean, the guy speaks volumes in a 15 seconds of silence. And, and I've never seen anything like it before. He's amazing. I so think I can he's only. A genius. Yeah, I think he's a genius. So to. But I say to him, I was like, you know, and I've told Dan, I go, here's my nerves of business. This is the, it's just the truth. Like, there's a, there's, they want us. Like, they want us to do this. And they go, and I go, so we got to go into negotiations. And I said, this is just the person I am. At 36 years old, it bums me out to say this, but I go, so I don't know. Are we going in there like, are we getting like $25,000 a year? Is this like a $300,000 a year? Like, and I don't know if it's any, and in my mind, it's like if they go, Jay, this is a $20,000 a year job. I go, oh, okay, all right, I didn't know. All right, so I still got to like, and I'll take that, even though it's like that requires like now I have to make sure I have someone to pick up my daughter every day after school because that's my thing. You yeah. know what I mean? So someone's got to make sure that. And I go, and I won't burden them with any of that. Oh. I just go, you're going to allow me to do some radio time? Whew. Okay, thank God. I don't because to me it's like same way I was describing before about Shiprock and those guys getting the thing. It's like you know I have Lewis and Dave both like and, and Lewis primarily because you know he he loves the music and and being part of that world with the rock yeah. bands and shit. And he's asking me. He's like, "We're doing it right." I go, "I don't know, man." The guy said he couldn't do Shiprock without us. Like we're family, right? He's like, but he said he's that we're going to do it right? because he doesn't. We don't see the value that we bring to it. We're going like, are we getting over on these people? Are they going to give us a free cruise ship so we can go up there and just like, and all we got to do is fucking, it's like, so for me to simply go up there and just tell you my cock story again, you're going to give me something that people are paying four grand for? <laughs> wow. And you're going to get, and, and, you know, like, and I literally would go like, and you're going to give me $300 also? <laughs> like, <laughs> and all I got to do is pay for all my own drinks and food. <laughs> like, that's it. That's it. Like, and I'm blown away by that when some people, and then like, you know, where I get angry, and not with Shiprock's never done that before, but where I get angry is like, you know, I'll leave a, a gig, you know, and I have, like I said, I have like a, a decent amount of people are following me at this point and come out to my shows from Ron and Fez and all these things. And then, you know, the, the manager was cutting me the check and it was like, man, you're too hilarious to be performing for this much. You know, Darren Carter, the party star, just got nine grand. And you're like, <laughs> if I made nine grand on a road gig, I mean, like, that's fucking insane. I mean, I'm making up that number, by the way. I don't want to. I, right, I, no, I, yeah. I, I, genuinely, I am. I'm not making up. I'm, not, I'm making up a name, too. But yeah. whatever it was, when someone told me a number, it was something was like, oh, yeah, you know, Darren Carter's asking for this much. So it's like, so I got to dig deep in the pockets for that. You know, and you're like, Really? It's like the fact that he's asking for that. Maybe he just, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. I'm just saying, like, the fact that but I'm is... telling the same guy, I'm going, like, so why don't you give me, like, four grand a weekend? They're like, oh, dude, you come in for 1500 Let's not kid ourselves. And I yeah. just go, okay. Uh, I remember sitting, I was with Amy Schumer. I don't know where we you were. You came in for 1500 Did I say fifteen grand? What? I meant 1500 If I said fifteen grand, said 1500 I Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was with Amy Schumer, and I remember her manager calling, and she was like, "She was like, what? Yeah, no, 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 no. I'll do it for like, uh, I'm, I'm going to make up numbers right now. Sure, I mean, I'm going to make up everything, but except for this story is accurate. I just don't know what the numbers were. I'll do it for two grand. Okay, yeah, tell, 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 I'll do it for like two grand, or tell Jim Norton I'll do it for two grand, but I'm not going to do it for less than that. All right, bye. And then I was like, what was that? And they're like, oh, I was supposed to go feature for Norton or tell someone. And they're only offering like $1,200, and I was like, I'll do it for two. And I was like, I remember thinking, I remember thinking, I didn't say this, and those are made-up numbers. Sure. But um, I remember thinking, I'd fly, I, I did fly myself out to work <laughs> with Attell for free. 
Like for I got seven hundred bucks, but I paid that to sure. a hotel room so I could stay where he was, so I could be like yep. I, I did it for free. Like that's the way my brain works. To this day, I and, and Travel Channel is well aware of this. If they ever ask me to do anything in a heartbeat, I, I'm so grateful to that network. I do it in a heartbeat. Whatever sure. they ask, if they want, if they say, if they said, Bert, would you fly out to DC to do a show for the people at the company on Friday afternoon? In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Right, right, right. And I would assume I'm paying for the flight, and it would only be my manager that goes, are you guys flying him out? Because I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm so grateful for any opportunity. But I'm this, I mean, we're very similar in many respects. Is that like, yeah. I, remember, I remember when I was young, I remember hearing, and this is going to be exact, but I remember hearing how much Mitch Fattel got paid on the road. Some club slipped up and said, that's so funny. Your numbers are identical to Mitch Fattel's this week. And I went, what's that? And they're like, well, Mitch Fattel was in last week. And our numbers are literally identical every week or every day. You had the exact same amount of paids versus comped. And I went, really? And they're like, yeah. And I'll make up a number, but it's not that far off. And they were like, and he made 10 grand. And I went, and I remember I was making 1200 bucks. And I went, he made how much? And I was thinking, well, then why wouldn't I get that? Come on in. Do you know what's interesting also how my mind works? Is a good example is what's happening here almost with me being out here for Ari's storytelling thing. So yeah. Ari has been such a champion of mine and a friend and just like a gr- what a great dude because he really has. Uh, I, I did it. I was the only person they flew in uh, last time to do it on, online. It was yeah. a storytelling thing. He usually has people only do it from they they have people do it all from L.A. Yeah. Hey so George, so I don't got to fly everybody. George, in. Hello, my buddy Jay. Hi, how are you? So nice to meet you. Are you by yourself or is mom here with you? Okay. Is Isla to go to reading? Did Isla already go to reading? Okay, you guys hanging out? All right, I'll be out in a little bit, okay, baby? All right. Yoga was ridiculous. Did mom tell you I had a hard time? Yeah, I had, I'm sweating still, Georgia. Hot yoga. Speaking of which, speaking of which, shut the door. You're dropping AC out of here. George, come on, shut the door. George, they're... They're fucking bullies to me. They just <laughs> fuck with me. So wait, you were saying that's by the way. Everyone, Ari, uh, Jay and I did uh, Ari's storytelling show last right. night. Right. So he brought. So he part of when he got this thing to go to TV, he said like right away. So it was, it was like me, Ren is easy. I think maybe you also. I think the three of us. Oh no, it was Diaz. It was he wanted to make sure they had Diaz on there. He goes, but he goes, he goes those, you guys were the ones that like right away. I was like, we got to have out there, and they fought him on. I think a little bit again. And they fl- and it's so weird, like the, the the under the thumb feeling that I let myself feel, and I do because they flew me out. Then when I get to the airport, the tickets first class. Then they pick me up from the airport. But you, you don't check that before. Uh, no, so I always check so I'm not let down. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I always check. I was I was let up. I actually walked over to the thing. I go, is this a check in? They go, are you sky priority thing? I was like. Uh, what's got, and they go like I'm a frequent flyer and she goes uh, no it's like first class and whatever I go oh no I don't think so so she goes and I take this long walk down but when I did the kiosk it says I was first class and then to walk back over to her and be like hmm, look at me like yeah. yes I, well, I do belong here actually <laughs> but so I was pleasantly surprised but I got the, uh, the one more hold no, on no one problem. second what's up baby I yes It's a pretty fantastic hound dog. It's a really fantastic hound dog, baby. It's yours. Oh, thank you. This is my buddy Jay. Hi, how are you? It's nice to meet you. Good. Do you have any questions you want to ask him? 
You know who's got a daughter? Yeah, she's 12. Almost. Yeah. That's the right. That's the right face to make, though, about it. She's actually eleven. Yeah. Hey, why don't you give us uh, like ten more minutes, and then I'll be in there. Okay, baby. Okay, All right. Love you. A pug. Oh, cool. Thank you. I. So adorable. Yeah. <laughs> she's a fucking. She's a fucking pain in the ass. <laughs> they she's. All a, she's. Pain. She is like a wild, like a real sincere wild child. <laughs> like my favorite story about her. I've been telling lately, anyone that'll listen, is uh, she's in the bathroom, she's brushing her teeth, getting ready to go to bed, and we hear, <laughs> and she sneezed while brushing her teeth and gagged herself with a toothbrush, and then we hear, and she sneezes again and headbutts the sink <laughs> on the ground like semi-conscious and I could not stop fucking howling laughing. <laughs> yeah, like Jesus. Oh, it's like, God. It's like beating yourself up. <laughs> she's like, it's like living with the little Kenny Powers. Like, <laughs> she's fucking hilarious. So wait, keep going. So you were saying, um, the, right now everyone's like, I wish your kids haven't fucking come in. Jay was talking about Joey Diaz and Ari. Oh, so they, 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 the so first class. They flew me, so um, I fly out first class, and then they pick me up from the airport. I don't even have to rent a car. They pick me up from the airport, and they drive me over to the W. They check into this fucking, you know, the W so, like, pish posh, and there's, like, chicks with their tits hanging out everywhere, and I go up to my super white room with, like, yeah. all, you know what I mean? And they're just in there, and the overwhelming thing I feel in there is, like, they're, they're going to feel like they did too much for me. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm like, I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I really have a thing. I, I go, I they feel like I owe them now. And this will be a thing. They'll be like, when it comes time, like, hey, why don't we give Jay, like, why don't we look at Jay for an hour special? They're going to be like, dude, we already flew that dude out. I really feel that it's like, that's so not how I, I almost, see you. But I almost feel like I should, I almost feel like it's like, you, I could just fly myself out. Like, I don't, I, I, I'm that guy. I, I, that. It's so fucking. On Mayhem Fest? Yeah. This, this, dude, my, oh man. Dude, there was a, a girl looking at me. Like, I was fucking retarded, man. When the guy went to pay me for Mayhem Fest, this is a wealthy, wealthy man. The guy who, who runs Mayhem Fest? Wealthy. Yeah. Doesn't look the part, but he's wealthy. And he comes up to me on the second year I did Mayhem Fest, and he goes, what I give? I'll give you the actual numbers, because it doesn't even fucking matter. This is how stupid I am. He goes, what did I give you uh, uh, last time per show? I go, uh, last time we did... It was all expenses and three hundred and fifty dollars a day per show, like per day of show. He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "All right." So what do you say this year? We make it four fifty a show. I go, "Oh man, you don't have to do that." He goes, "Huh?" He goes, "I go, yeah, you don't have to do that." I go, "No, it was fine. Like the three fifty is fine." He goes, "He goes, I'm telling you, I'm gonna give you a hundred more dollars." He goes, "I'm gonna say it one more time." He goes, "Because as a businessman, I'm not gonna force you to take it." I go, no, dude, I just let, because in my mind I'm going like, well, I want to do Mayhem Fest again. And if he gives me 450 maybe he's going to be next year like, eh, it wasn't worth paying 450 a day. God damn it, Jay. It's you bad. Know, do you realize, but do you realize and, how? And, what's, and, what's, and, and I said that's the intrinsic difference is Kevin Hart never had that. He never, he never. always felt he was, he couldn't, in fact, Kev's the guy where it's like, I'll do it for, you know, I'm talking about things when we get paid like $400. He goes, I'll do it for $1,000. And you got to give me money for gas and the whatever else and the travel. Yeah, he would call that like right away, and I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm just excited they're gonna let us do a fucking show. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're gonna let me do a show, and like, 
when I opened the do I went to that Cape Town Comedy Festival, South Africa. I did that one year. And I opened the curtains of that thing and I was looking at Table Mountain outside that fucking Table Bay Hotel. Yeah. Lit up at night and there's seals in the ground. And I'm like, I'm in South Africa. When I went to the Sydney Opera House to perform at the Sydney Opera House for the JFL City Every one of those things that I go there, and I, I said, it's built me with overwhelming anxiety over the past, like, five years or so. And, it, it, and when I'm in the Sydney Opera House, I'm like, man, like, it, it, again, it, it all falls back to what we said before. It's like, it's too easy. What I do is too easy for this to be, like, why are these the rewards for this? Like, you realize, I'm not doing anything you that realize doesn't seem difficult. That you realize, I mean, just the way this business works, you're, you're go- that you, you've got to get comfortable with it because it is kind of the norm. I mean, you're the sure. guy. You're the guy that like. You're the guy whose name everyone brings up at some point about like, holy shit, have you seen Jay? It was like, like there's a whole group. And same thing happened to Ari. Like, I want to say like, I'm gonna. Say, I mean, I'm gonna. Say, this is gonna be inaccurate. I know what I'm saying is probably inaccurate. But I want to say like two years ago. It's only about three, two, yeah, three years. Absolutely. Three years ago, everyone it all was turned like, on Ari. Have yeah. you seen Ari? You got to see Ari live. You got to see Ari live. And I was like. Wait, I've seen him. What am I? Wait, hold on. I'm, and then you go see him again. You're like, holy fuck, he turned a corner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And J- same with Joey. Same with uh, probably same with me. But like, like meaning like, but it, it's par for the course, and it's going to just be more often than not. The fact that you haven't done an hour is beyond me for Comedy Central. It's it's, 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 it's well, it's going to be too dirty. Is the thing which I'm fine with that though. But to me, it's almost like then why not Netflix? Why not something? Else? But it's just you know I've. My crack team of managers. <laughs> who's, who's your, who are you with? Crin, the CH Entertainment guys. They own the uh, stand in New York. Exactly. Oh, no, wait. I know the stand. <laughs> I know those guys. Yeah. I think I tweeted them a couple times. I'm sure. About yeah. doing sets over there. I love that place. The club is fa- is phenomenal. They have yeah. a phenomenal club. And they're good dudes. I mean, every club complains about their You management. know what it is, man? You spent too much time with Attell. I think Attell has this like real kind dude, of like... Attell and Patrice, both. I was mentored essentially by guys who were just gritty, like, I'm going to do what the fuck I do. And people, you know what I mean? And, it, and there was no uh, give in comedy. In the, that was it. And therefore, no real give in, like, the bit. Patrice wasn't a business dude. He's the, maybe the worst. Yeah. Patrice was just turning a corner, never on his comedy, but on his career right when he died. Yeah. He accepted that roast. He did great on that. The, the special was killer. You know what I mean? Dude, that Elf in the Room is maybe my favorite special I've ever seen. It's a beast. It's real. It's fucking amazing. You know what I mean? Like, and what he did was great. And you know, he's like, uh, but him and Attell were both like, ah, no one's got time for a couple of losers like us. Like we, it, it, it fostered that mentality. Yeah. We're digging that thing, and I'm just not like I said before. I didn't like. I didn't jump on the Twitter thing right away. I was on it. <laughs> jump on the Twitter. Thing. I was on it. Yeah. But I still don't... F- now I'm just trying to get better. It's like, if, oh, if I have a funny thought, dude, just fucking tweet it. Oh, yeah. But, but my thing was always like, because I was so... I use the term like prolific in doing comedy, stand-up. Stand the way my mind worked, like, to me, like, stage was my Twitter. As dumb as that sounds and probably, like, you know, stupid, like, corny poetic. But it really was... If I saw something, an old lady doing something weird on a subway during the day that I can talk about and, and even to get the concept of why, oh, old people are so not afraid to do whatever. I'm going to I go, in three hours, I can go try this. Yeah. I never, even think, I never even think about the thing. It's like, well, how do I get that into 140 characters? Because, by the way, notoriously for me, I'm not a quote-unquote 140 characters 
human being. I'm a long draw. Like, listen, I'm taking you on this ride of whether it be a story or just a, a conversation thought process. Like, I'm I'm definitely you know the economy of words. Like, I'm definitely not. I don't try to trim the fat. Like, I definitely try to. And I used to get shit on for it. when I first started auditioning at the clubs. The, co- the complaint was always like, "Dude, very wordy." I'm like, "But isn't that what's painting the picture here?" Yeah. Like Ted Alexandro always got excited. He goes, "My favorite thing. I got this the story I had for the longest time that I would tell." And I guess it's on my album about like coming on my own face from like falling <laughs> off the bed because my. But I'm describing the outfit I was wearing, and he just loves it. It still doesn't really get a laugh ever if it comes up organically. No. I go pleated pants down to a nice tapered leg, describing my pants. Yeah. <laughs> pleated pants to a tapered leg. And like he just always like, he goes, man, that is just for the comics, huh? And the people that just kind of get like that detail is what... You're basically describing myself being dressed like a fat guy in color me bad clothes. Wait, you know, you know the story that everyone talked about last night right after you left? What was that? Was they were talking about, they were like, as soon as you left, everyone's like... Do you know what story Jay's telling? And I was like, no. And they're like, have you heard a story about the chicks fighting in front of the, the comedy cellar? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, I haven't heard it. And they're like, oh, it's amazing. What's the best part about it is that he names them. <laughs> and I was like, I've never heard it. And, that, and they were fucking. And I, as soon as I heard that, I went, God damn it. I haven't been in New York in a long time because that's a, that's, that's a, that's a person that gets on stage a lot. And being able to work a uh, work ideas quickly, yeah, yeah. It's like I, I get I, I the thing I do in storytelling is I, I get married to the small detail. I love small details. I love the little thing that I remember that it, that stuck in my crawl. But the fact that you were like, I don't know these girls' names, but I let's name them. Is yeah, is, is that the story? Yeah, it's, it's on. That's that that was Ari's show last season. What's the it, what was the story? I, I, do you mind telling it to me? No, no, I'll tell it to you. Because oh, I heard the story secondhand from everyone. I'll give you like an abridged thing. Yeah, give it, me like an Because yeah. it's, all, it's, uh, the, it's the whole story is, is online. It's on yeah. YouTube on, the, uh, on Ari's This Is Not Happening. But this, when was this? Years ago. It was me and Pete Dominic, actually. Pete Dominic. Yeah, yeah, we were like walking down the street. We were leaving the cellar one night. And are then, you in Ron and Fez's uh, Elimination League? Yeah. Do you, how are you doing? I won this week again. I won this week again, too. Who'd you pick? Uh, fucking uh, Broncos. Oh, yes. I was going to pick Broncos. I did Pats over the uh, Vikings, and I won. Oh, nice. So I'm still in. Next What's your week's name? tough. Next What's your name in the thing? Big J Comic. Oh, okay. It's, uh, it's Michael Ian Black's killing it in that league. That's what they said. Yeah, he's like in the first place. I actually wrote a thing about that. I go, why is that Queef winning? <laughs> the funny thing, the funny one. done a play about the fun, football The thing, the, the in thing they really school. exploited that was great was Soder, who's like a you know, sports guy, out in the first round. And DeRosa's still in it. And I know DeRosa picks by like the, the prettiest colors on the jerseys. <laughs> um, the, the girls fighting was came out and these girls they ended up being a problem for a couple days in this in, in the West Village, these four fucking pigs. And they were just out front of the cellar one day and they were just being loud and very obnoxious and kind of shitty, but not to any of the comments. We were just people watching. You know, what I mean they were just yeah. out there just like loud and they all talked like very ghetto. Because fat white girls like tend to just kind of go with the you know talk like the black dick they're gonna suck later, <laughs> and they're all like uh, you know, one girl's making out with this Puerto Rican dude, and they just like they eventually leave, and we're just you know we're kind of laughing at them like man what are, like why are they so confident they're just like they just all look awful and they're just gross chicks and like yeah. so confident they look like they have like tattooed makeup very like shaved eyebrows and then drawn on eyebrows like. They're almost wearing they're they're fat white girls who talk black and wear Puerto Rican makeup. <laughs> That's like their whole thing. And they dress very like uh thing. And so in naming them, and I'll give the names quick. What it is, I just named the uh, the fattest one. Uh, where I start from the 
from the nicest. The first one I say is the best looking of the group and the smallest. She was the best. She was the smallest, not the best looking. The smallest of the group. I go. She she had like a normal. She had a normal torso. She almost had like a thinner like up top like torso, and then but it looked like she was like like someone sadder. In like a like minotaur, like a she had like centaur <laughs> thing, like her lower half. So she should have had hooves, <laughs> and she had a big f- fat ass and a tattoo that went across her lower back, and she had the belt done like really tight. Yeah, like really that where you see like the pants are bunching up, but it also like folded her back up. Oh, and so part of the tattoo was actually lost <laughs> in this crease that went down her back. So so I call her ass back. <laughs> yeah. And then the second one I just called forgettable because I just don't remember anything about her. And then there was a fourth <laughs> other horrible chick there. Yeah. The third one is the prettiest. was a blonde girl with big titties and a cute enough face, like an oaf. But literally, I call her best in show. And the reason <laughs> I call her best in show is because at the time, especially of that, my low self-esteem and confidence has, doesn't just go through comedy. It's always gone with like chicks and everything, too. So I've fucked a decent amount of women in my life but like a lot of them like i've i've gone home with a uh, an animal before or or went to go fuck an animal before and the hot chick she was with this is in a specific situation was like god i'm so horny like, why don't we have a threesome and the fat girl's like he's mine and i was like why didn't i just go for that hot one I, I just, in my mind i'm like i'm gonna get rejected so let me go with this fucking yeah this girl with boils on her like <laughs> Because she'll definitely blow me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just like the low self-esteem. So I call her best in show because she was the one who I probably would have fucked in the group. And the worst one I just call atrocity. She was just a lumpy fucking. She looked like a. She looked like a, a radar uh, view of like terrain, <laughs> like jungle terrain. <laughs> you ever see when you go to putt on Tiger Woods golf? Yeah. And they show you like all the different like levels of like. <laughs> High and low peaks and valleys on a, on one body. It was yeah. just a fucking mess. She was making out with some dude, and they, and they just walked down the street, and they got into it with this bouncer who wasn't letting him in a club, and they started trying to physically fight him. And he ended up fucking pushing this. I think some of the elements I left out in the Ari story were like neighbors were, were throwing eggs down at them. Are you serious? So these girls were just fat and covered in yolk. Oh. And, like, and they're making a scene, and people are in a circle around them. And the girl... Atrocity, the the grossest one, starts swinging haymakers <laughs> at this bouncer and missing. But while she's swinging wildly, she's wearing a tube top. <laughs> and the tube top, as she's swinging, comes down and the bottom of it comes up and it just turns into like, it almost looks like <laughs> her belly button looks like a whistling mouth. <laughs> and the tube top now looks like a like a like a rolled like a like a Mexican lo- landscaper's bandana around the middle of her body. It's just rolled into yeah. a tight like little band. And her tits are out, and I just talk about like, a, and she's moving, she's swinging these haymakers. This is the detail everybody loves in the thing. And I go, and her body's moving so fast, like her arms are moving so fast, but her tits are so empty and big and flappy and saggy that I go, it looks like somebody stapled two tube socks to her chest and put just like like a cup of soup in the bottom of them like like a chowder but just a cup not even a bowl just enough to give it some heft and dangle yeah like, it looks like you could have taken it off her chest and used it as that weapon they use to trip horses like they throw <laughs> <Bolio Dero. laughs> you would know the name uh and i go and as she's moving super fast her tits were actually moving slowly but in different directions i go and they were just making shapes like a it looks like the 
the screensaver with the pipes. Remember the pipes? <laughs> like her tits are just going like everywhere. Like but it's like you know it's like they'd go forward for a minute and then down and then over and up. And I just describe how the guy, the, the bouncer, ended up. He had no choice. He had the pusher, and she fell down. But like, she was so big, it was like from feet to thighs. Like she never actually is. Like she just kind of like rolled to the ground. Yeah, almost like a little tight seesaw. You know what I'm talking? She's like almost yeah. like one piece. Like it's almost like it was a complete semicircle from like her fucking ankles to the back of her head. It was like a semicircle. <laughs> Like a crescent shape. So yeah. when she fell, she just kind of like rolled back and then rolled back up. She didn't land flat on her back. No, and then just having her climb up a mailbox, making the fattest noises as she climbed oh. it. And then the cops finally came, and I said and the cops more or less gave a choice. They were like, based on size and capacity of the car, <laughs> they were like, we're going to be cool and we're not going to call for another car because that's saying we need all this room. They go... We're going to arrest three of you or that one. <laughs> and uh, and the fucking three girls took the fucking spill. And Are you serious? Girls, yeah, the three girls went down and the fucking, and to not embarrass the fucking fattest one. And oh. she walked off with the same Puerto Rican dude who was making out with her when I first encountered them. They fucking walked off together. I heard the Puerto Rican guy walked up, yeah. And again, you know, I, that was an abridged version. Like, you know, yeah, it's yeah, a good yeah, commercial yeah, yeah. for to watch the. Uh, I'm going to go watch it. I'm going to go watch it. This is not what, happening, uh, but it's a, it's a fun What time story. is it? I gotta go. I gotta go. Fucking hang out with my yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you I gotta know, go they're, do they're clamoring for. Yeah, I actually was supposed to be there in twenty minutes, so that's probably you got, not gonna you got work time. Out. You got yeah, time. yeah. It's not, it's to Burbank. Yeah. I got. I got an wife, Uber. My, you have an Uber. I have to Uber. Do you already order Uber? No, not yet. Uber it now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um. So, what do you have anything to promote? Legion of Skanks is your podcast. Legion of Skanks, I do. Uh, which is on Cave Comedy Radio and iTunes. That's me, Louis J. Gomez, and Dave Smith. Uh. You know, essentially that's the same format as this, just the shit talking and bringing in comics and just having fun with them every week. It's a lot of fun. It's a fun show. We do a lot of goofy shit. <laughs> we uh, video a lot of it and stuff. And I showed you that the other day. We had a, we had a trivia about each other to each other, and we kept yeah, scores. Ta- we kept scores and tattoos on our wrists. Oh, shut the fuck! I up. won. I knew more things about Lewis. Did you have than a tattoo artist there? Yeah, we had him there just tattooing us every time we got oh. the thing wrong. What um, um what what are you are you are you torn at all? With uh, are you on the road at all? Yeah, I'm. I'm on the road. I said Justin's been fan- Ari, man. Ari again, like pushed me to Justin. Justin loved my comedy, needed me to get a couple things going, and then picked me up full time. And now they're they're great for me. So get me on the road a lot. And everywhere I go, dude, the fans show up from everything, man. I, and I know me and you do have a lot of crossover stuff. Cause I know yeah, pe- people do. saying stuff. So uh, between you and Ari, and now doing Rogan's thing, Ron and Fez have been. Ron and Fez. I can never thank them enough, man, because let me be a regular on that show and, and the amount that I go. I go in like every two weeks about, man, almost. And those people show up to shows and my and the fan base is building and I see it on the road where I go. People are showing up more. And that'll be good. And that's and that's the build. That's all I can ask for is that's how I'll get them to pay me more and, and find my value it's, more. Dude, it's and, right and it's around amazing. the corner. I'm not even there yet, but it's right around the corner. I, I do one called the SDR show, which is uh, me and Ralph Sutton, who is a a rock music DJ for years, and me and him interview porn stars and rock stars every week. We do that once a week. Oh, you're going to have so much fun on Tripoli's show. That's going to be on All Things Comedy. You're going to have so much fun on Tripoli's show. And yeah, the, the Playboy TV or Playboy Radio, I'm getting ready to go do now. So I'm pretty excited. Oh, yeah, Uber. Oh. i got to remember yeah, how to yeah. do this. Uber right now. Uh, we'll get you over to Tripoli's. I'm going to have my buddy uh, Darren Turbo come in and say hi to you. He runs Playboy Radio. Oh, okay. So, oh, awesome. Uh, I think he runs more than that, but I don't know really exactly. Um, and so, and do me a favor, tweet. Jay, he will favorite you. I will Follow favorite Jay. Yeah. 
Let him know how much you love him. Let him know he did a good job quitting his job, quitting college, <laughs> quitting the college. Day after first open mic. My mom thought I was, ret- and she was right. She even said, "Why can't you do both?" And I, I really gave, I really gave her. I can't, mom. I guess I could have done both. I was just yeah. call. <laughs> All right, hindsight, no reason I couldn't have done both. <laughs> Jay, thanks for coming out and doing this, man. It's always great seeing you. Thank you, man. I, uh, Amazing. Thank you so much, buddy. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.